Welcome to the Fan of Life podcast, everybody. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different than the ones I usually do. It's really going to be a fun episode of me hanging out with a couple of buddies of mine. I met these two guys about four or five months ago when I did their podcast known as Talks with Lim Lee and the host Lim and his cousin Emmett, who is his co-host, uh, we got together and we really had a great time uh, talking about everything underneath the sun for about three hours when I did their podcast. And uh, we really bonded. And uh, today we're going to go have some Korean barbecue, but we had a couple hours to kill. So we figured let's have a conversation and uh, let's record it and let's just see where the conversation takes us. And it takes us pretty much all over the place as expected. Uh, we talk about a little bit of their history, family, uh, their business failed business to where they are now with a developing podcast, go a little bit behind the scenes of what it takes to do that. And then um, we talk a little bit about is there such things as being too rich? Are billionaires necessary? Uh, do rich people really avoid taxes or do they pay taxes? And you see that we don't agree on all fronts. This conversation shows that people, friends especially, should get together and talk about pretty much everything. And we can agree, slightly agree, fully agree, it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, conversation is the number one thing that we need to make sure we keep alive. Honest conversation. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Come along for the ride. Like I said, it's going to be about two hours. So break it up or just pop it on a road trip and uh, enjoy the process. Oh, disclaimer, we're also a bunch of knuckleheads. So when we start throwing stats and numbers out, discard all that information because after listening to it again, we were way off on a lot of things. But the ideas and the concepts and some of our beliefs and philosophies that we talk about these various subjects, I hope it does come shine through. So anyway, enjoy the show, guys. Enjoy the podcast. And uh, thanks for listening. All right. We're recording there. Recording here. And like, should we shave my double chin off? <laughs> All right. We're good. Get the whole chin. So, we're good. Yeah. We're good. Do you think it's worth it? I've, I've been thinking about. No? No. You're a dude. Milk it for all you can. Well, no, but I want to get a thicker jaw, too, like like an implant. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, Like yeah. a caveman jaw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do uh, that. They do that. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Fan of Life channel, Fan of Life show. I think we're going to keep that part in. Okay. Uh, yeah. Because uh, <laughs> today's conversation is with two new friends of mine. I uh, had the privilege to be in their studio and uh, had the honor of them inviting me back to their studio to use uh, for uh, one of my recordings. So uh, today we're going to have just a, a fun, um, I guess, no agenda conversation to see where life takes us, see where, uh, you know, uh, how, how much we can get in trouble. Oh. And then uh, we'll take it from there. Today I am with the gentleman from the Talks with Lim Lee podcast. We got Emmett, we got Lim himself, and behind the scenes, his wonderful producer, um, I'm not going to say who she is because I think he's going to keep her to himself. So <laughs> anyway, hot. guys, what is up, everybody? Rick, good to see you, man. It's good to have you back. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm, a, I'm back a lot sooner than I thought. And I think um, full disclaimer to the audience, I think our ultimate goal today was to have Korean barbecue. So, oh, yeah. So we figured if we're going to have Korean barbecue. Might as well just get together and, and uh, shoot the shit and see what happens. All right. Awesome. Did you, have you bought a Corvette since the last time we saw you? You know what? We're getting close, buddy. We're getting close. <laughs> but I've been saying that for the last, uh, you know, 20 years. So we'll see what happens. This might okay. be it. No, um, you know, I really had a great time uh, talking to you guys uh, when I was here for your show. Um, and it was one of the things that actually 
might change the trajectory of where I want my show to go a little bit. Uh, oh, I enjoy it. Bad influence. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, enjoy, I enjoy the natural conversation, the long format. I've always had it in my mind where, you know, when you get to a certain point, 45 minutes, an hour, people kind of lock off and stuff like that. Mm. But I think after, um, you know, visiting you guys, I think I feel that, you know, if bottom line is if the quality is there if it's interesting people will listen and they'll listen in chunks or whatever they'll do right um so i'm kind of contemplating how i want to restructure 2022 uh and then release it in audio form for podcasting as well too but that's enough for me today is not about me i want to chat with you guys um i got to know you guys a little bit from when i visited and you guys each all have your story you interjected a little bit but you know tell me a little bit more about yourselves i know you two are cousins you guys are related so how did this right. thing even came uh, come about yeah we were born this way <laughs> oh the cousin part you were born this way oh right, right. Let me rephrase. how the podcast come about um, podcast came about from just watching joe rogan lex friedman some neil degrasse tyson those podcasts and or uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, he did more documentaries at that time and mm-hmm. he's jumped into podcasts, but uh, it's Emmett defines uh, the key point that I try to get in our, our podcast is he calls nuggets of wisdom. So, mm-hmm. so say when we interviewed you, we're, we're trying to say, hey, what have you done with real estate? What have you done with your credit debt in the day? How did you learn from that? How did you make it better? How can you give advice for people mm-hmm. to get better, uh, to live through that better? And that's nuggets of wisdom. Someone that's lived it for 15 years, 20 years or whatever. That's what I'm trying to get on this podcast. That's what I saw in some of Joe Rogan's podcast. Not all of it. Sure. Only, maybe only 10% of it. Uh, Lex Friedman. I think I see that in most of his podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, started thinking about that, what, two, two years ago? I remember mentioning it to you, Emmett. I, I think at the beginning, Emmett was, I'm not, he didn't have much of a reaction. So he's kind of like, yeah, if you do it. I mean, if you enjoy it, then do it. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I was busy. I wasn't going to jump in and be like, yeah, let's do it. Right. Um, but also I think, uh, it took a while to get to this format because when you started, uh, I think we were talking about, you know, lawn chairs in the park and well, that was the COVID thing. So when COVID hit, I, I, the idea started before COVID and then when, uh, when COVID hit, I was like, shoot, what if the world turns into a a COVID infested for, for five or 10 years. What if mm-hmm. zombie land? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I actually started uh, planning. I, I have a lot of footage where I was out at a park. I had like just these folding chairs that I brought. I brought a table and I brought sun reflectors to uh, or reflect light reflectors that would reflect the sun to uh, the subjects. Mm-hmm. So everything was planning for outside. And then that um, ended up, it wasn't really necessary as COVID started to get, our lives got back to normal. Mm-hmm. So, but even before that, even when I mentioned Joe Rogan, I think um, Emmett and uh, the close friends around me, they're kind of like, not so, not so yeah. much twirling their eyes at me, but I, I totally understand. Even when I think back at it, I'm like, holy shit, to start this podcast now, what I knew then, what I knew now, know now and how it's turned out. Like right. it, it's a, it's been a, it's been a journey. So I don't, I don't blame any of my friends that kind of rolled their, I'm going to say roll their eyes at sure. the idea. Sure. Because it's a big undertaking. And then when you hear the word Joe Rogan, I'm like, I tell my friends, hey, I want to kind of do a podcast kind of like Joe Rogan. Right. They're, they're like, you versus Joe yeah, Rogan. Yeah, who doesn't want to do the Joe Rogan show, right? Yeah, but who, yeah, yeah, I guess in that way, yeah. yeah. If I were to do one, there'd be no competition. Mm-hmm. There's no way. No, I'm, I'm saying everybody would love to. To get that right. $100 million Spotify check, you mean? Two, $200 yeah. million, was it? Two, right. Yeah, yeah. Well, whatever. <laughs> either or is a nice, nice check. Yeah, profit, yeah, right? yeah. 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 I'm not even jealous of the money. I'm jealous that he's able to. I mean, he's the biggest show, so he can get any guest he, at this point he wants, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, 
Yeah. 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 I heard, uh, you know, during the election that, I mean, the campaigns were knocking down his door and for him, it's like, I don't want to be, well, the problem that they, the, the mistake that they made is according to him is they wanted to structure it. Yep. He's like, yeah. right. I'm, I'm not, you know, NBC, I'm not Fox. You don't structure my show. We're going to sit here. We're going to talk. Yeah. You know, and there's no notes. There's no this and that, you know, no one's going to come and whisper in your ear. Yeah. So I think it's, you know, it's a breath of fresh air. And I think obviously, you know, the, at the end of the day, you know, I'm a big commerce guy. I'm a big uh, business in terms of capitalism. The audience will always dictate the market. And mm -hmm. I think the audience has spoken, right? For the most part, it's like, this is, these are the forums that people want to go to because mm. it's hard to pitch a lie or to talk about a narrative for three hours. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Stuff seeps through, right? So, Shit. So how did he <laughs> slowly convince you? Because I know you said you, uh, you're like, oh, I'm busy, you know, you're a realtor in Las Vegas, you know, so you have your own life, you have things going on. How did he coerce you? Uh, I wasn't against it. Mm -hmm. So I'm all for it. Um, I'm sure I asked a lot of logistical questions on the front end, like how are you going to pull this off, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of times that's the nuggets we're looking for. Like you could say, mm -hmm. I do a podcast, right? And people will accept that. But what we really want to know is what does it take to do a podcast, right? Mm -hmm. So we don't know when you're watching the show, there's fucking, there's four lights, there's two cameras, there's a whole lot of audio equipment, there's a soundboard over here, there's all kinds of lighting in the background. Yeah. And those are the kind of things you really want to know, like, oh, one, one salient factory, was this five grand in equipment or 10 grand in equipment. Mm. You know, how much equipment does it take to put this on? About three, to get, four, three to four grand. Yeah. Yeah. So then yeah. that's a nugget of info that people really, you know, like if you want to do a high quality show like this, you really need four grand worth of equipment to have awesome video, awesome sound. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so how did I get involved? <laughs> I was the guinea pig. Mm. So, cause you know, Lance, my cousin, we, we, uh, we lived together and we set up the studio here in this living room. Mm -hmm. And so, just to test all the lighting, test all the sound. We just, at some point, your test is okay. Let's run it. Right. So as the guinea pig, okay, I'll be the guest. I'll be a realtor, and you ask me questions about being a realtor. Yeah. So um, I think we ended up doing two because at some point he had revised and added so much uh, equipment and quality to what he originally did. Mm -hmm. They're like, this is a, a substantially better show. Mm -hmm. Let's redo it. You know, do a part two. We had lavalier, lavalier mics at first. Okay. And the little mic that you clip onto your shirt, and sure. those are good. But this is this is like yeah night yeah. and day difference. So yeah. once I got this, then we did a, set, a part two. Yeah. So I mean, I was the guinea pig. Uh, Lim and I, uh, we've been buddies all of our adult life. Mm -hmm. So we converse really well, and we have a lot of intellectual conversations, a lot of back and forth. Uh, if we don't agree on something, then we'll. You know, we'll butt heads and, and hear each other out and make our points and, and then it becomes an inter mm -hmm. interesting conversation. I think maybe that's what he's looking for with every guest. I think at one of the one of the guests, he was like uh, somebody that I was kind of interested in the field or something. Like one of his early guests, he was like, I'm going to have a guy on that's a specialist in this. Mm -hmm. And I was interested. I forget what it was because we're talking so many podcasts ago now. 80. Um, yeah. Wow. So, so one of your early guests was like, yeah, I wish I could. Oh, that's what it was. Because I would review his first recordings. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, I wish I was there and I could have asked questions. Oh. Like if I was an audience member, I would have asked this question. Because Lim's going in it, into it. He's producing and directing and doing all editing and he's setting the guests up and he's, right, right. And he, he goes in uh, running the show. Right. But I, I can come in as just another audience member. Right. And because right. so a lot of times I don't know who's coming. Right. Like really? I yeah. Like some guy named Anthony came on last night. 
I had no idea who he was or what he did. Cool. And so I'm able to step in yeah. with, with like a fresh, naive zero right. and then ask the questions that any audience member would ask. That, that's actually interesting because I will point that out. You know, the, the vibe that I got from being <clears throat> on a show, your dynamic works really well, right? Because mm. obviously, you know, Liam, you're probably close to 100% of all the logistics, right? The equipment, the producing, probably reaching out to guests, you know, working all the, the legal stuff and yeah. et cetera, et cetera. And having a co-host that comes in that kind of represents, you know, a fraction or potential audience, you know, what would they like to hear? You know, that's a great point. Let's elaborate on that a little bit more. Yeah. Gives you, you know, alleviate some of that pressure on you and gives you, you know, some, some rules that I think is valuable because you can't, you know, you can't hit it all. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean we, we you, I mean, I think honestly right now, anyone that does podcasting, the, the, the golden standard is Joe Rogan, of course. Right. But you know, if you're a yeah. big fan of Joe Rogan, then you know how amazing Jamie is. Mm. Right. So, you know, his job is I'm just going to talk to the guests. And I think that's a great and smart thing that you guys have done. Um, I guess it's a little bit too too soon to ask this question, but why not? Where do you see it going for you guys? So uh, one of the beauties of having certain finances set up, um, I don't have a a set goal in mind. Meaning, mm. of course, everybody would like to make money off of their time. Yeah, and passive income would be great on this, but. I don't know how exactly that's going to come out. Meaning is a sponsorship going to eventually come or do I have to push some type of advertisement or is it just a time thing? Like I have, mm -hmm. I have some random, uh, Yellowstone video that I produced, uh, two years ago. And now I think it's something at, uh, I forget the number I just looked at today. I think it's something at, uh, 6,000 views mm. and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, right, right. Oh, can we get a park ranger to come down? <laughs> Red Rock is right here, right? <clears throat> they got park mm -hmm. rangers. Do they? Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I think it's I a think. state park, but not. Yeah. You know, all my years living here, I, I still haven't hiked at Red Rock. Uh, it's <laughs> worth visiting. No, yeah, I mean, I, I know it's pretty, but I'm like, man, do you want to drive that far to hike? <laughs> <laughs> You're too busy making money. Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> Losing money, making money, <laughs> catching up, you know, all that good stuff. Um, yeah. So I think uh, about two weeks ago, a podcast that I released, which I really, really enjoyed that one. It was with uh, Renee and Scott. Renee's a psychologist, Scott's a high school teacher. Mm. And I felt like their nuggets of wisdom, I don't know if you felt it, like I felt they were just bombing us, which was fantastic. Like mm. Renee with the, I'm asking because the high school teacher, I asked him, so how psychologically do we get kids more involved in high school? Is TikTok and Facebook ruining us? Yeah. It was just great to have a psychologist and a high school teacher talk their different angles. And it kind of, I think the, it boiled down to better parenting. That's to have parents not fuck up their kids sure it's such mm. an important <clears throat> crucial time for kids at that age and then and then more funding into education that was the meat that's the the end of the conversation but the lead up was just great for them to pound mm -hmm. and punch those those issues those those deadbeat parents uh, <laughs> to, to <laughs> prove those points with so much evidence where mm. to me at the end i was like holy shit like we america we need to put more money into funding the schools and getting somehow i don't know the better parenting that's a tough thing the, sure sure that's a big thing like money financially uh they talked about having the like a mecca of school mecca uh, where children could go to school have food and not have to worry about <clears throat> where they're going to sleep tonight mm -hmm. because that's the high school teacher was talking about um some kids come in hungry tired and because yeah. they come from poverty sure mm -hmm. so anyway so oh where i'm getting with that is 
that podcast, I think to me is a pinnacle of what I feel like my content is about, mm. but I do not think it's going to be a pinnacle for YouTube views. There's right. a difference. Right. No, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. I, I joke with my friend and I was like, it's so, you know, it's so gut wrenching. And I'm sure you guys have, have felt this, especially in the early days. You know, I, I think I, I don't, we have an inside joke that we won't bring out, but about views, uh, uh, but, um, Oh, my point. Yeah. That, my, 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 that it's all my own clicks. That's yeah. The yeah. <laughs> a little, little inner competition. I'm, I'm competitive. But anyway, my, my point is that, you know, it's, it's so crazy that, and it's heart wrenching. It's gut wrenching when you pull your heart into something, let's say an episode, or you have a great, phenomenal conversation. And just like you said, there's nuggets flying left and right. Oh my gosh. And then performance wise, as far as views, it doesn't do anything. Ah. And then you look at, you know, <laughs> If anyone knows their reference, you should know by now because the world's going crazy. <laughs> and you look at the Island Boys and they got 10 million views on a dumb rap video that they did. Oh. And it drives me insane. It drives me insane. Well, as, is as is an, it that most people aren't looking for this yeah. kind of entertainment? Yeah. And, and, and what, I, what I, I think, I really appreciate you bringing that up as far as knowing at least for now what your mission is. It's, it's not... For you, you have a strong mission on your podcast, right? It's because it's it's so easy and so enticing to go, okay, if this is what sells, then this is what I'm going to become. But I'm like, that doesn't make my heart happy. You know what I mean? I mean, I kind of want to do the stupid shit, though. Yeah, and I don't think, <laughs> I don't think anyone's stopping you. I, I think the point, uh, the, the, uh, the standpoint that you're coming from, you guys are coming from, and hopefully, you know, I'm coming from too, is there is no objective in the monetization of this thing. I'm generally doing this as a pet project. And where it goes is where it goes, <laughs> right? Because, you know, we, we've gotten to that point. But, you know, hopefully more people will come on board. But, uh, yeah, as a quote-unquote creator, man, sometimes you watch that and you go, gosh, this is like a punch in the gut. You know what I mean? Hey, can I ask you guys about schools here in Nevada? Yeah. The uh, marijuana went legal maybe five years ago or something. Mm -hmm. And that was supposed to, uh, a lot of that money was supposed to go to the schools. Mm -hmm. I don't think it has. Well, go ahead, Lim. I have some thoughts oh, on that. I don't, I don't know enough about it. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I think... I think um, it's the government public sector, uh, uh, not private sector, public sector. It, it's not money. It's, yeah. it's spending of money, right? It's allocation. And I grew up as a California kid, right? Mm -hmm. You guys remember the California lottery? Yeah, that was supposed to fund our schools. That was supposed to make our school better. We we're going to be state of the art. It's that was not on. the reason I bought them. Yeah, but yeah, it's been going on for 50 years. Yeah. And where's the money? Yeah, exactly. Where's the money, Lebowski? Yeah. <laughs> uh, teachers unions are strong, you know, you can't fire bad teachers once they get tenure. Um, schools are being compacted, 50 kids, you know, barely a teacher that's present. And I don't blame, I don't blame the teachers. You know, I, I think I, I'm definitely going to dive into that podcast you mentioned, but I think from an education standpoint, we have to revamp the whole education system, period. Yeah. So we're, we're already behind, but we're really going to be behind. Yeah. You know, so I, I don't know. And like I said, um, it's weird. Like, do you guys even understand Common Core math? What that is? I haven't. No, I haven't. I'm too old. I'm 44. Yeah, I seen it because you know my my friends have kids and stuff like that. I'm like, well, why are you making something that doesn't have to be hard harder for the sake of being harder? And oh, it makes people say it helps you later. How? Uh, it can the way it conceptualizes the math in your brain. Mm -hmm. It structures it so that it makes a lot more sense procedurally instead of just memorizing for example instead of memorizing 11 times 12 mm -hmm. it turns it into a procedure that then you inherently understand 
yeah. how to multiply 11 times 12. It, something like that. I'm, not, I'm probably not saying yeah. it very well, but in some way, it makes the math more embedded as a process than I mean, pre, memorizing. Pre-internet, pre-Google, pre-all this technology, I can say, Yo, all right, there's some, I guess there's something to that, but yeah, like, you know, you know what's a similar example is uh, in China, uh, uh, they use a lot of abacus. Mm-hmm. Um, so an abacus is a wooden thing with beads on it, and you, mm-hmm. you, you slide the beads around to multiply and, and do math. You can multiply and do some math functions on it. And it, you know, if you teach a kid from very, very, very young to do an abacus, they get real fast at it, right? Mm-hmm. And then you take the abacus away, and what they find that kids are doing is they have a mental model of an abacus in their brain. Interesting. And okay. they're, they're just using their imaginary abacus and they'll still do this with their fingers, um, but they can do the math very quickly because they have a mental abacus sitting in their brain. Like right. they, they won't even they won't have the abacus in front of them. Interesting. Their fingers will still move. But uh, I I think from just from a uh, philosophical point of the Common Core, I'm I'm for it because when I think about me and Emmett's upbringing, mm-hmm. uh, I find that Emmett's. In his earlier years, his way of learning things conceptually was much better than mine. Mine was memorization. Mm. I, when I was a kid, my whole goal was to go out and play. My mom said, if you do your homework, then you could go out and play. Uh, go out and play. So if I had three hours of homework, it would behoove me to try to figure out how to do that three hours of homework in 30 minutes. Mm. So I, I started figuring out like, okay, if I memorize these sentences in this book, because the teachers assigned that area in the book, I started realizing, okay, they, they, they want me to memorize this sentence and then this sentence. I kind of started figuring that out mm. and I, I squished my homework down to about <clears throat> between 30 minutes and an hour. But growing up later in life, that I feel like that actually hindered me. Where you, I, you would have been better reading the book. I would have been better reading the book, conceptualizing what mm. the material of the book, the comprehending, comprehending, yeah. interesting all the concepts and even reflecting on the concepts where I felt, I felt when I, it wasn't much later in life when I was like around 30, I was like started asking Emmett like, Hey, when you read books, when you did math, mm-hmm. uh, when you read, when you had the um, history books with politics in there, how did you remember this mm-hmm. and that? And the way he explained it, I'm like, Oh man, like you're way ahead of me. Like I, I forgot everything that I memorized. Cause I me- I, I memorized it only for that week. Right. Right. For the purpose of the test. Yeah. Quiz, whatever. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So when I think about Common Core, I think if theoretically that's how it works, I'm right. for it. But I don't know enough about Common Core. When I've seen, that's what I've Ho- seen. Hopefully kids are learning better. Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, as a software engineer, conceptual things, that's how. Uh, right. Right. That's a huge thing to conceptually break down a database. And then um, if you have an order, you got to, I'm just conceptually in the database, if you have an order, and maybe it has hamburgers, fries, but then you got to realize, well, those items are items in the order. Do you have to conceptualize how to design the database? And that's very much like the learning thing. I was like, man, mm. if I would have... Is ketchup separate? <laughs> that would be... It would be an item still. <laughs> it would be a type within the item. Okay. Um, so that'd be another... It'd be a third normal form connection. Anyway, Anyways, um, so... If I would have learned that way, mm-hmm. I, I imagine maybe even my programming skills would have been better earlier. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Uh, I I would say I was very lucky too to to have been a smart kid, a quiet kid, and to have a very you know well. I mean, it was it was a stable home. <laughs> my mom my mom was a very loud uh, um, 
almost dragon <laughs> mom almost no but it's a lot of uh kind of cuckoo nonsense yeah um so she's very loud with a lot of nonsense mm. uh but her heart you know she she loved us and like my parents loved us and they they tried to do well for us so they always provided food you know they weren't beating us they weren't right, right, right. you know they weren't doing shitty things to us they were they were trying to take us out on the weekends take us to the park and right and so i was lucky to have all the building building blocks set so that you can build the house of, of education on that but i mean it could, i think you guys said earlier right it's like uh parenting it's so so important yeah, yeah. I mean, I could sit here and complain about my parents, but I probably had it better than most people. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. So you, I know, Lim, you were talking about when we met. You came here because of Emmett. So Emmett was already here, right? So did you grow up here, or or? Oh, here in Vegas. Yeah. Um, we were. Oh, I was raised in San Diego. Well, Emmett kind of was San Diego. We grew up in San Diego. Yeah. Okay. He had some time in Thailand, but um. Um, no, he came here for a girl. <laughs> well, he well, lied to you for three hours. <laughs> came, no, no, no. He came I, after I, Vietnam. Y- right? Yes, yes. You do remember. So I, I, uh, I fucked up my credit. I, I was actually sick of the rat race here. So I decided to, f- to flee to Australia and try to find a new life in Australia. That there was aspects that I didn't do. I didn't make the right steps in Australia. I didn't do the right things in Australia. Like I didn't find a job and I didn't try hard enough. Mm. And I think. Yeah, whatever. Then I you didn't dress up like a crocodile hunter. <laughs> I don't think that <laughs> that hurt me. But uh, <laughs> uh, so Australia to Vietnam. I spent some time in Vietnam. Found a job there, but uh, I was uh, still wasn't happy. It was fun. It was a fantastic trip. Sure. To be sick of the rat race and then go through that, it gave me a different perspective in life. It's what I needed. Um, mm. I think everybody of different stories for everybody, each to their. Wait, so you, you checked out of corporate America for a while? Mentally, yes. Yeah. I was sick of, for whatever reason, my tall white friend was getting promotions faster than me. And I felt like I was a very, I was very good in, uh, in IT. I was a programmer then. And it's like, yeah. why is everyone around me got higher pay that's mm. either taller or white? And I was like, what the fuck's going on? I feel like I, I've worked with a lot, many, I think every single programmer I've worked with, they're like, damn, you're a pretty, you're a pretty good programmer. Yeah, yeah. And I just never got the pay. So I was, it was, it was beating me up mentally. So sure. I had, I wanted to get out. Sure. Um, so then went to Australia, Vietnam, Texas for some time. And then I was bleeding out of money. I had no money. I mm. told Emmett like, Hey, what, what are you up to? And Emmett's like, Hey, I'm here in Vegas. I'm working on a business plan. I'm, I'm working at a restaurant so I could solely understand restaurants and I want to open a cafe. Mm. He's all, I'll, uh, I think you, I forget if you paid for the plane ticket. I don't Sounds remember. right. Yeah. He, he's, he said, I'll pay your plane ticket, come out to Vegas. I'll help you out. And he's, I know you, you're a hard worker, uh, get you back on your feet. And so I came out and yeah. then that's how we, uh, got here in Vegas. And after that was the business plan to af- open up Cafe Hoppa, which I, th- I forget if we talked about that on mm-hmm. our last podcast. No. Oh, uh, so Emmett, if, me- if you ever want to open a bikini coffee shop, don't do it. <laughs> so it was, <laughs> Emmett made a fantastic, uh, I'll call it a blitz, uh, blitz, uh, business plan where everything was, I mean, down to how much the price of, uh, cups to buy a cup, mm-hmm. how much to buy tables, mm-hmm. how much to buy chairs, uh, how much, is, uh, to cost to, uh, have two bikini girls on staff and, mm-hmm. and the, um, maybe some logis- logistics, how we're going to actually figure out a place to rent for that and how to hire for that. So he did a fantastic job. Um, blitz because I call it a blitz. Uh, I don't. I don't know if there's a term for this type of business plan. Um, uh, I, maybe gorilla or shoestring, but oh, sh- blitz works. Yeah, 
I call it blitz because uh, with Bikini Girls, you want to get on newspaper, radio, mm. magazines ASAP because that there's there's a there's a marketing. uniqueness yeah. to the marketing. Sure. And but we didn't have a huge budget. We didn't have two hundred fifty thousand. We we went in on a shoestring budget and uh, we were able to test out. It didn't work out to the numbers that we thought. We, we, I mean, we got on radio, we got in newspaper, got in magazines, but yeah. In in the end, there was like a hundred thousand dudes in San Diego. Like, oh my god, that sounds so awesome! I'm totally gonna check that out one day. Mm-hmm. One day. Yeah, but the and one, this is in here, or is this in California? It's down in San Diego. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, so at the time, this was this is right after the oh eight oh nine economic. It was slow economic times. Mm-hmm. So this is probably around 2011 or something, 2012, yeah. somewhere in that ballpark. Okay. So um, not that I was too aware of that, but uh, at that time I thought uh, if you're going to open a bikini coffee shop, because uh, in Orange County there's some Vietnamese bikini coffee shops. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was the inspiration of like, man, people want coffee. Yeah, yeah. And who doesn't like hanging around bikini girls, right? Yeah. So um, I figured that marketing would, would have high growth. And I was like, you know, if we do this in San Diego, it would be a hit. Mm-hmm. Um, which I was not correct, but uh, I thought I was also familiar with Vegas, and I was like, "This is not going to work in Vegas. You no. can go, mm-hmm. there's, sex sells everything in Vegas." Yeah. So I was like, "That doesn't make any sense in Vegas." Mm-hmm. Uh, who knows? But um, we we tried it in San Diego, and we could go in. I don't know if you want to go into all the details of you want to talk what about, yeah. what worked and what didn't work, but um, we we didn't last six months. Really? Uh, yeah. Just uh, part of it was our low budget. Mm-hmm. Um. But a lot of it was our, our landlord was kind of a dick. Um, but it was also hard to find a landlord that would lease to a bikini coffee shop, right? So so let's let's stay on that for a little bit. I love it. Yeah. I don't I don't mean for this to turn out to be an entrepreneurial talk, but why the hell not, right? So, why not? So what they say, eighty percent of businesses will fail in the first five first five three to five years. Especially right? restaurants. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Hospitality's <laughs> yeah. rough, dude. Yeah. Rough. Um what were you feeling at the time? The time that we closed, or mm-hmm. oh, I was crushed um, because I knew how much me and Limit put into it. Lim, mm-hmm. Lim stepped in and he he did so much. You know, I looking back, you know, I was I was planning to do it on my own before Lim came into the picture, but I can't imagine having even been half as mm-hmm. successful without Lim's help. So as a team, it was awesome. So, but to you know to get to the point where you go, this is not going to work out. Yeah, that that's crushing to know. Well, fuck, there there goes all of our hard work and dreams and effort. Yeah. Uh, but also for my girlfriend and my mom, cause they were kind of living vicariously. My mom especially was, you know, she's the kind of lady that'll always tell you, Oh, you should open a pho restaurant. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. so my mom is 50 right now. Yeah. Right here in block. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it's great. You just make the pho. People will buy it. You'll be yeah. rich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, but the bikini coffee shop to her was just as good. Right. Yeah. And she was so excited and so happy through Proud. me. Yeah. yeah. So that the, the moment that I thought, Oh fuck the numbers, the numbers aren't going to work. Mm-hmm. We gotta, we gotta shut this down instead of just bleeding another, you know, 50 or a hundred grand to see if we can dig out of a hole of debt. Um, th- the decision was analytical because mm. my degree is in accounting. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. So the degree, the decision w- just presented itself, mm-hmm. but the, the emotional side of, Oh, but this is going to destroy my mom and my girlfriend, mm-hmm. my girlfriend that she, she put in so much, uh, to help us with it, right? She was on board and helped in so many ways. Yeah, you know, like uh, you know, like when you flip a house, we we took over an old yogurt shop, mm. and so we tore out the floors and you know redid the whole place and brought everything up to current health code. And so we did so much work ourselves because you can't afford to be 
paying every damn sure. contract. Yeah. Sure. So, and props to her because she put out like almost I don't I don't remember it was almost fifty percent of the funds in the beginning. So, wow. yeah, she was in on the money. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and then so the emotional side and also the physical. So that four months, we we're like it felt like one hundred and twenty percent. Like we were there twelve hours. Was it twelve hours or fourteen hours a day? We would basically wake up. Yeah, all day, and then till we till the time you go to bed. And then even when we went, came home after closing up the shop, then it was like, hey, what did, what do we do good today? What what do we need to change? What do we need to plan in the near future? Mm-hmm. Um, then I mean, dealing with the staff uh, if they showed up late or whatnot. But I mean, the staff was actually pretty good. They were actually they were great. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so it's just the physical, I guess. Uh, what's it called when you uh, renovate that the the, the place in the very first yeah before you open um so i mean like destroying the floors doing the the toilet where i think i cut my finger at one point i'm like oh shit literally shit oh god i, I need to go wash yeah. this you guys take care yeah, of you're it. off the crew you're <laughs> off <laughs> um, you're on the bench <laughs> no workers comp either <laughs> um i mean from that to dealing with, one of the things i think emmett feels a, a lot of emotional upset being upset at is the um the the city, when they come in and check the regulations, the paperwork, and mm-hmm. they wanted a grease trap when we didn't have, we weren't, we weren't frying anything. We didn't, we didn't cook yeah, yeah. anything. Yeah. So the the health department and the city regs and the they have an extra health department down there called the Food Establishment Wastewater Division. Okay. Uh, so all of these government agencies, but, but the health department in in particular have lost sight of the mission, right? Mm-hmm. Their job should be to make sure we're not poisoning anybody, mm-hmm. right? You want to make sure people are making healthy food. You're not doing anything dangerous or stupid. Mm-hmm. And we want you to, you should be supporting small business. It should be an educational and support role instead of a punitive, destructive role. Mm-hmm. Like it was like they would come in and it seemed like their goal was to, 100%. yeah, just destroy us. And it's mm-hmm. like, what? What the fuck do you want? Like, mm-hmm. this doesn't make any sense. The, there's a thing where, so when you open a restaurant, you get your letter A, right? Mm-hmm. But you got to pass the initial inspection to get that letter A. If you don't pass it, you get a B or a C or whatever, and you right. got right. So not good for your business. Um, they had a thing where like, oh, you can pay extra five hundred bucks, and we'll come to a pre-inspection, and then you'll know that you're ready for the real inspection. Right. So I paid the extra five hundred bucks. And uh, they come in and they give me, you know, hey, these four things, you can fix it up and you'll be good. Yeah. So I fix the four things and then they come back and they give me another seven things mm-hmm. during the real inspection. I'm like, well, what the fuck was the pre-inspection? You didn't tell me these seven things on the pre-inspection. Right, right. right. But then what's my recourse? Can I go sue the <clears throat> health department? Is that going to be a path to success? Or it's just this obstructive agency that is not helping small businesses get anywhere. Well, a couple of things. I mean, number one, it's a revenue generating you know, entity, right? And then number two, you give certain people power. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, you can tell when it goes to their head. Yeah. Because they exercise it to full extent, you know. And then every yeah. now and then you get someone that doesn't take their job too seriously, you know. Right. And they go, hey, do this, do this, you'd be good to go. But, yeah, they're, they're, they're guys that guys and gals that are going there because they know. I mean, really, especially when you're an entrepreneur and you try to build a brick-and-mortar business, your livelihood is in this. So mm-hmm. they literally have your life at stake. Your yeah. Your at stake. And you see that. It's, it's gross to me. But uh, yeah, there's a, a, I'll, I'll add a little fun story. Or if, I'm going to change topics. Do you guys want to yeah. stay on? Um, so when well, we, how we were living on Jack in the Box at the time. <laughs> <laughs> in the beginning, when uh, I, I asked them, how are we going to pay for these girls? Like, what, what's your game plan? He's a uh, minimum wage. Mm. I'm like, minimum wage? They're going to be in their bikinis. You think we're going to actually be able to 
actually work that angle? And he's like, they're tip money. It's going to come out pretty yeah, good. Yeah. I didn't believe, I actually didn't believe Emmett at first. I was like, I think you're crazy, man. I think this is not going to work out. I think that's a glaring, I fr- there's a I, hole in your plan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this business plan, that, that thing is going to kill us. Uh-huh. And, um, I, I, I think at one point we found, found modelmayhem.com, which is a site where uh, women go host to become models or that, that they're available to be models yeah. at events. Uh-huh. So we... Uh, we call them booth talents. Booth. Booth. Yeah. Booth. <laughs> Trade show. Not, the, not, the, not booze. Boots. <laughs> so then yes. we, show found me your a, booth. we found a loophole where I think we had a... Se- I, I set up as a, as a business account in there uh-huh. and they try to like charge us like... I forget what it was, like $50 a month. I don't remember that. $50 a month to message uh, models. Mm. We, we, we fudged the system and then create it. We created Emmett a model account and then we can freely message uh, oh, girls. Smart. <laughs> smart. So then, um, so with his account, I, ju- I just created a template. Hi, the, this is uh, Emmett from Cafe Hoppa. I'm opening a place in San Diego. Would you like to? And I just, bla- every day, I just, just, mm-hmm went through the directory and just blasted out like hundreds of messages. And then we started reviewing them. And then, um, the, the, the part of the business plan, I forget, I don't know if it was written in the business plan because minimum wage, there's also Hooters, the restaurant. So mm-hmm. you pay minimum wage at, a well, say Hooters, uh, uh if they work there, they're going to make massive tips. So they're not going to want to go work at a cafe that that's a small cafe mm-hmm. so then emmett's ideas was well, well we'll target 18 to 21 years old because mm. hooters is 21 and up yeah yeah this is coffee so 18 works yeah yeah, yeah. so it, it was a great idea by emmett and then so model mayhem i kept the, i think i kept the filter you're making me sound like a real pervert now. i was gonna say either, either genius or a pervert yeah now the, those two things are not exclusive you know, that's say. right anyway. just ask larry flint so then we uh i i remember the very first time we did the very first interview for the first go i forget who it was now i forget it but anyways i remember we had we asked emmett's girlfriend to be there because the, the one of the questions is mm-hmm. hey this is a this is a modeling gig which puts you in a bikini so do you yeah, bring you show, a bring a bikini yeah, yeah yeah bring your bikini and then you have to show it so we also had need to make sure you don't have a swastika tattooed on your arm or mm. or hate messages tattooed somewhere so that was part of the process and i think well, luckily that never happened <laughs> i forget if it was him or me i do remember i i, I think it was emmett i think i heard his his breath leave his his uh his body yeah before he could actually for him to actually say he's a uh, 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 you you have to get uh, and show us in your bikini. Is that okay? Uh, I, I, like his vo- the air came out before uh, you heard it, and I was like, my heart was pounding too because I'm like, this is like we're walking on a legal. Well, because we're we're coming from corporate jobs, right? And you're so used to be living in a cubicle, having mm-hmm. an HR department, and knowing that any misstep, like you can't you can't be in a corporate job and make a booby joke, right, right, right. or anything, right? right? So you you you're for years you're living in this world of of there's this, this definite line I cannot cross, mm-hmm. right? And and being in an interview and asking a girl, okay, can we see you in your bikini now? Mm-hmm. Is such a weird departure from that that world. No, that you're totally, used to. yeah, sure, yeah. sure, I can see that. So this surreal. is before your life in Las Vegas, so you you weren't you weren't sure how to maneuver around that. You know? <laughs> well, because for me, I'm a very follow the rules. Sure, you know, I'm a square dude, like so. I'm I'm like I think we can navigate this, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but I'm not trying to do anything we're not supposed to do. Right. So right. so all of these things were of necessity, and to try to make a business that 
the idea is if you got bikini girls, you'll sell faster, right? People talk about it. You'll yeah. get more. You sell more coffee than if you're just a coffee shop. Yeah. One so. of the best ones was, uh, I forget, it was like the fifth interview. Uh, because the, So when we interviewed them, it was like in the front of the cafe. And then we tell them there's a restroom in the back if you want to go change. Mm. Uh, we, we waited till we had the physical location because if you're going to be interviewing gals in the bikinis, you don't want to be like, well, what? In, at my house or yeah like so we had to wait till we, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh like the fifth interview or something emmett uh go at, at that point we got so comfortable where his girlfriend's not in the in the cafe anymore but not that i'm not about to say a nasty story this is funny <laughs> um so he does we do the normal interview and then at the point he's like, okay so you need to get in your bikini right and then she's like, i have it right underneath my shirt and pants i'm just gonna dress right here and mm-hmm. we're like okay if you're comfortable with that Right at that moment, the the front glass, uh, the entrance. There's a mom and a kid that uh, walk by, uh, and and you know the model is taking her shirt and and pants off, but she's got the bikini. Sure, you should have seen. For me, I think Emmett. We were literally sitting behind the table like a judging panel. <laughs> I forget. I think Emmett didn't get an angle to see the 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 mom, mom pop. Uh-huh. I saw it in her face. She's like. And she like covered her kid's <laughs> eyes and pulled pulled the kid away. That's it right. was it was awesome. She's so. like, "That's why you gotta stay in school. Right. Stay yeah. in school. <laughs> Be in front of some two eight two weird Asian guys. <laughs> that's crazy, man. That that's cool. And and it's funny because it kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier. It's like you know you have these podcasts, you have these conversations. It's like people have cool ass conversations all the time. You know, mm-hmm. and to be able yeah. to record it and, and give it out to the world. Mm-hmm. And have people be kind of a part a part of it, whether they're driving their car, walking the dog, whatever. It's a it's a unique thing. It's a unique yeah. thing. Pay attention to the I road. Mean, Stop thinking about boobies. Yeah, I think it's, something I want to add. This is <laughs> a tangent on all this. Mm-hmm. I think also if someone's listening to this and they think that maybe maybe Emmett and I came for money, mm-hmm. we didn't. This like <clears throat> for me when I was younger, my mom was on the um, what is like uh, government cheese. It wasn't government cheese, but like she, uh, she, we got like I got free food at school because mm-hmm. her income was so low. Yeah. So there was like a code that I had where I go to the lunch aisle and then I say the code and they give me free food. Mm-hmm. So we didn't, I, I didn't come out of money. I Emmett didn't come out of money. So for us to get to the point, like I hate, I kind, I dislike when I listen to certain podcasts mm-hmm. and you hear someone like I came from nothing. Like I will admit, I did come from. I didn't have family that beat the shit out of me mm-hmm. i didn't have family that terribly mentally beat the shit out of me mm-hmm. but i didn't have a lot of money like i didn't i've heard there was a, a rest uh i don't want to say who it was there was a friend of a friend that they had a restaurant that it was they spent four hundred thousand dollars from their parents money and they they that friend of a, the, those uh restaurant owners they said to me like oh we came from nothing i'm like no you yeah. no fuck you for 400 yeah. grand yeah, yeah 400 grand like yeah so with our budget the restaurant was uh or our cafe was thirty-eight thousand, if i remember correctly so that's not right, i yeah. mean yeah that's a lot of money but that was between for, for a business also yes yeah. for a business that's, that's nothing that's shoestring for sure but then for us if that, that was us scraping together all our money <clears throat> and i think we had a couple of friends that threw in yeah some money yeah yeah there's probably like four or five other people you guys got some yeah. good friends none of my friends my deadbeat friends <laughs> back then. step up friends <laughs> and yeah. it's good at convincing people so i really do feel that our story is closer to that coming from nothing now i do when i say that i don't have family mm-hmm. that beat me and whatnot mm-hmm. i did have a decent foundation to some degree like 
I had food. Sure. I, I never had a day in my life where I worried about food. So that is something when I hear some stories of kids coming from poverty that have to worry about having food tomorrow, mm-hmm. that's something I didn't experience. So there is a, a privilege that I experienced there, but I mm-hmm. feel like it's not, it's not, I think I was closer to the average than the, than a rich person, if that yeah, makes no, sense. It does. Yeah. It does. I mean, I'm no, I mean, there, there's different levels to everything, right? I mean, there's, there's definitely levels to poverty and, mm-hmm. and desperation. You know, one of my really good friends, I won't name her because I don't know if, you know, she wants her story, but you know, as my wife and I got to know her and her husband's like, she was like, Hey man, I'm trailer trash. You know, <laughs> I, that's what I was brought up and, and, and to escape being trailer trash, I joined the military. That was my mm. only way out. Yeah. You know, so you know, she joined the military. She got an education. She learned about numbers, this and that. Fast forward now, she just bought two forty-eight or forty-unit properties. So she has 80, 80 apartment doors. It's killing you know? it, yeah, yeah. Whoa. So, so, th- so, yeah. There are people out there that really come from like nothing, mm-hmm. you know, or, or very little, and and be able to climb up. And I'll play the counter to what you said earlier. You know, if you come from money, I mean, that's not a that's not a scarlet letter on you. I mean, do something good with it. You know, Jeff Bezos' parents gave him a quarter million bucks. You know, I'll give most of the people in the world a quarter million bucks. They'll burn it. Yeah. You yeah. know, so be able to do something with it. I mean, that's no fault of your own. You know, either way. I mean, how you get there, I think, regardless of how much of a head start you get, if you're truly successful, we'll talk monetary because it's easy to measure billions, business and stuff like that. No. You've had to maneuver correctly, you know. Now, Whoa. was was everything morally? That's a totally different conversation. But you have to at least be intelligent enough, even conniving enough to maneuver properly. I, w- I would criticize Bezos now for being a lame billionaire. <laughs> if, you, you mean he's a dork? No, like if I had billions and billions and billions of dollars, like we're talking multi-billions of dollars, right? Mm-hmm. Do something awesome. Like go, f- go fix our government. Go fix education. Go fix healthcare. Go fix something. Yeah. Like you live here, you enjoy all the, the, the things that we get here in the U.S. Give back, like fix something. I mean, I, I don't know. Don't, what his, don't tell me billion dollars and solve problems. Yeah, I don't know what the philanthropy side of, of these guys are. No, I just buying more that. apartments in New York. Yeah. So that I, I would criticize Bezos for being lame. I think government, need, I mean, we need to fix government. I mean, one, one person, I don't care we how We can't. How it's it bought is. by the rich. Yeah, it's bought by, it's bought by banks. Yeah, congressmen um, don't listen to me. Yeah, it's true. That's true. I can't afford the plate at the uh, dinner, right? So then what's the, what's the answer then? Yeah, billionaire. Fucking buy all the congressmen. There's only 500-something billionaires in America, I believe, or in the world, I believe. So the question is, if they don't want to do something, how does the masses Oh, they do want to do something. They want to rig all the rules so that they keep all their money, right? Right. So they don't pay any taxes, and we do. Right. You know what really sucked? Uh, my girlfriend uh, works at a casino here in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. They gave her a bonus, right? Mm-hmm. It, was a, it was a very nice. The company, it's not common, but mm-hmm. they were like, hey, we had a, a hell of a year. Here's a bonus for our employees. It got taxed at something like 40%. Mm-hmm. The bonus is supposed to be a nice, like, hey, you, you, you're a working person. You get a nice little bonus. Yeah. Here's the government. Oh, fuck you. We got 40% of that bonus for us, too. So here, I'm going to play the, the evil capitalist. This is good because yeah. you know, it's, there's no point in getting together and being in a bubble and agreeing with everything, right? Right. I agree the sentiment of what you're saying. Yeah. Right, because all, is it fair for, you know, really wealthy people to seemingly get away with everything, right? No. No, it's not. And I agree with that. Yes. But then let's, 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 let's do nuances, 
let's take Elon Musk for example, right? Yeah. Um, I'm sure you're you're you want more fair taxation, but you're not one of those. And if you are, then then you are. But you're not one of those eat the rich people. No, but I would say Elon's different than Bezos. Yeah, but then he's doing awesome shit. But you can't pick and cher- you can't cherry pick rules just because you like somebody or not, though. Right. I would like all the rules to apply evenly. Right. Right. Correct. Yeah. So so let's just say let's just say on a personal level, Jeff Bezos, Musk, Trump, all these guys, mm-hmm. they don't pay anything in taxes. Yeah, right? vir- virtually zero. Virtually zero in Texas, right. right? Effectively zero. Right. So let's let's take Amazon. I think last time I checked, and I could be wrong, someone fact-checked me, I think Amazon employs about 4,500 people. Correct. That's a lot of W-2s. Yeah, sure. Right. And then from a commerce and adding to the GDP, I can't even tell you how much that is. Right? So in a world where you get rewarded, sometimes feeling, some, sometimes seemingly unfairly, Mm-hmm. For what you have created, there has to be some type of initiative or incentive to be a one percenter. Because these one percenters yeah. do create stuff. Because yeah. 4,000 employees, like I said, that's a lot of W-2s. That's a lot of employee taxes that the corporation still has to pay. There's no corporation that gets around paying employee taxes. So mm-hmm. that's number one. But, but Four, M- 401k M- contribution. But Amazon's not a jobs program. What do you mean? As in, it's not creating jobs. Those retail jobs were at other companies before Amazon. Yeah, but then, so then, do you blame do you blame the auto industry for killing you know blacksmiths' business? I mean, businesses evolve, right? They do evolve. I'm just saying, yeah. it didn't create jobs. It actually destroyed jobs. We used to employ a lot more people at Montgomery Ward, Sears, Kmart. Possibly. Yeah. But then don't you think with innovation... I'm just saying the jobs argument doesn't work if you're destroying jobs. Well, where, where, well yeah, they're destroying mom-pop jobs, I guess. Retail, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of independent contractors that are making money on Amazon as well. That, yeah. that, wouldn't have, that wouldn't have the logistics and the e-commerce site sure. and all that to build their own side hustle. Yeah, I'm all for technological advancement and change, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I think you kind of have to adapt. I, I guess where I'm going with that is the rules may suck, Mm-hmm. But I think the best thing, and and if this goes on YouTube, we're not giving advice, but the best thing is to think about if these are the rules, whether you like it or not, how do I play in it? How do I take part in it? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree with that. Yeah. What I would bitch about is that the rules are rigged from the top down. If you're rich, you can afford to bribe a congressman to write mm. the laws to advantage you. Of course. And that's been happening for decades and decades and decades. Yeah. So that now the advantages are so far stacked what it ends up doing is whittling away at the middle class's wealth. You know, it's it's as if while you slept, somebody stole twenty dollars out of your room mm-hmm. every night. You don't notice it, but it it adds up, right? When do you think government stopped caring? Fifties, sixties, seventies, what? Yeah, there's a corruption to it, right? Yeah. Um, it politicians are typically corrupt. Yeah. Uh, at least during the Cold War, we had this boogeyman of the the Soviet Union that we legitimately had to worry about. Okay. So, um, so something like Reagan, he was a ultra Republican. Mm-hmm. He was wrong about a lot of things, and he a lot of things passed under his administration that did not help the middle class or the poor. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he seemed like he legitimately cared about us, and he really thought we had to defeat this evil that could destroy the world. There's a naive, naivete with him, right? Like a, he, a purity to yeah. his... You know, to I, his mission. I agree with that. 
Yeah, so. I agree with that. Whereas, whereas when you fast forward a couple GOP generations later, George W. Bush sent us to war. That yeah. under one hundred percent false pretenses, and this yeah. is a guy that at the time believed in them. Right, and know? and so even now, um, who's who's the evil Republican? Uh, who they, there's a guy out in Kentucky or something that. Well, the, the evil is, guy of the day, depending on what side you're on. If you're on yeah. the left side, you want the Build Back Better plan to pass. Minchin yeah. just shut it down. That's yeah. that's who you're talking about. Mitch McConnell. No, um, his last name is Minchin. Yeah, Joe so, Minchin. So I don't follow politics, but uh, mm-hmm. I feel like there's there are politicians that are are aren't even pretending to be good guys anymore. They just literally cater to the rich. Right? Yeah, I, I, it's it's. The, I, I I think that the and you're not doing this. I'm not talking about you, but mm-hmm. I think the talking points on the left and right they're all talking points, right? But the the the, the worry the thing that I worry a lot about with the left is you know that whole eat the rich mantra tax you know the rich don't pay taxes all that stuff. There's a lot of nuances to it, like I said, and and blanket statements like that. Number one, I think if you're doing it blanketly, it's false. Well, why can't you be a billionaire and pay forty percent taxes like I do? But they also pay corporate corporate tax. The, the corporation they create pay corporate tax. What what is the incentive? Corporate tax so, is twenty okay. percent. So twenty percent of a large ass number. Can't the corporation pay the same tax I do? But they also have to have incentives to grow and expand, right? So 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 let's 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 yeah. let's take away incentives. Why would I make a million dollars and don't have incentives to make ten, or don't have incentives to make a hundred, or don't have incentives to make a billion? You still, because, you still got to keep most of it. No, no, no. My point is because with every jump, there ha- there's going to be a scalable risk, right? Yeah. So if there's no incentive to continue to expand, to continue to grow, and it comes down to money, right? So if there's no incentive to become a $3,800 billion company, mm-hmm. then why? I like what Elon said a while ago, and I forgot what he said. He said, when you stop incentivizing people to make stuff, build stuff, and create stuff, mm-hmm. stuff will stop being made. And unfortunately, if you stop giving special, for lack of a description, special treatment or incentives to these larger corporations, now can we can we trickle them a little bit? Sure, but if you're saying that someone that has a that is genuinely contributing a mass amount to a GDP, job creation, and everything else, yeah. get treated the same as Joe Schmo. I'm in disagreement with that. I'm all for profit and motivation. Sure. Um, what when you're talking about large corporations, what you're really seeing is an entity that is designed to maximize money at mm-hmm. all costs, stripped of any regard for anything else, like morality, environmentalism, or people, or anything. Mm-hmm. It doesn't care about anything except making money. And so you elect a CEO that is there to maximize the profits. To the shareholders and everything. Right? So who elects the CEO is the board of directors. Who's Mm -hmm. the board of directors? It's the shareholders. Who are the shareholders? Rich people who ain't working. Mm -hmm. The majority of the shareholders are people who ain't working a job like me and you. Mm -hmm. So they pay lower capital gains tax on their income than Mm -hmm. we pay working our asses off in the sun. So why can't it be a fair system where everybody pays an equal amount of taxes? That's all I'm saying. Yeah. So I'm with you if we do a flat tax versus a progressive tax. I would love a flat tax. I would love a flat tax. Yeah. I'm in agreement with you on that. Yeah. Yeah. Because even even for me, I, and I, I don't know if I touched on the tax side of real estate, but for me, you know, for my, my LLC, my goal is to have 
the IRS is listening. Um, <laughs> you want to minimize your taxes. Minimize exposure. my taxes, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, that's smart. Like, yeah. Because you, why wouldn't you? Yeah. But so you're, what you're doing then is transitioning from a wage earner to mm-hmm. becoming a wealthy owner of appreciating assets. Right. Which is great if you can do it, but we can't all do it, right? Most of us have to work. I had to work. Yeah. 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 But what I'm saying is maybe you could have gotten there faster if you weren't paying so many damn taxes. Mm, I, I don't think about that because <laughs> here's the thing. The top earners statistically, and this is directly from the IRS, yeah. pays 40% of the taxes. Top 1% pays 40% of the taxes. Okay. Now, you're talking about marginally, they probably pay less because of all their incentives, write-offs, deductions, and what have you. Right. But collectively, they pay 40% of what the IRS takes in in the United States of America. Number yeah. two, the bottom half of income earners don't even pay taxes. They get refunds mm-hmm. because, especially now with the standard deduction, and I'm not a CPA, I just know what yeah. the, the overall kind of general is. I think um, it was 12000 at one point, Trump raised it to 26000 as standard deduction. Yeah. You know, and then you throw in the, the, the child incentive and everything else. Mm-hmm. So that, that, I think you and I are saying the same thing, but differently, meaning that it is an unfair system, but yeah. if we have to fix the system, we have to also be transparent and honest about what it is. Yeah, I'm all for that. Yeah. yeah. And, so, and, yeah. and I think the narrative on the left side of the rich don't pay taxes is wrong. Okay. Well, do they, if they pay 40, if the IRS is saying the top, is it the top 1%? Top, top 1%. Top 1%. Top 1% covers 40% of the tax bill in the United States. The top. Uh, what's the statistics on the top one percent? Do they own sixty percent of the money, and they only pay forty percent of the tax? But it's also creation of, of wealth too, right? Now, now, obviously, there there are people that are generationally wealthy, but at some point, someone had to create it, right? Like if my great grandkid is wealthy because of me, so at some point, there had to be a Rick fan, you know, for better or for worse, there had to be a Rockefeller at one point, mm-hmm. right? I, I just don't want to get into. I, I do agree with you in them having the power to create laws. That 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 yeah. as well. Super PACs, I, I, and I also agree, and maybe you guys will agree with this too. Is if you're a sitting politician, you are no longer you. You can't pick and choose and cherry pick what you're able to do. You can't claim to be an average day citizen, participate in average day citizen stuff. Meaning that you can't go out and buy and dump stocks when you're the one writing the the rules about things. Sure, you, know you can. I mean? You just lie to everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I, I saw somewhere some guy was like, I did an experiment for two years. I basically just followed Nancy Pelosi's uh, stock portfolio and I made it like a 200% return or something. Like nice. That. Yeah, but, but I think we're saying very close to the same thing, maybe different perspective. But, but what we're saying is, yeah, that's a great question to dive into is like, you know, if they're paying 40% of, of the taxes, are they controlling how much of the wealth, you know? But, but it's like, do you, do you punish somebody... And I know it's a, it's a horrible you know, comparison because it's not livelihood, but you know, you bring things back to sports. Do you punish somebody for scoring too much? Is there such thing as scoring too much in a game if you already won the game? Yeah, it's bad sportsmanship. What is that, though? It's is, called piling on. That, that, that's just a perspective, though, right? Yeah. Isn't it? Because it's not a game that we're playing. Right, but I'm just making like a, a, an analogy, though. So I guess... In a in your utopia world, is there a cap to how much someone can earn? My, in my utopia world, yeah. the the morality is as long as you're for the country, uh-huh. we the people. If you do something for the people, that means everyone benefits, including the government. Mm-hmm. 
then I mean, this is a very utopian idea. Then allow that person to make as much money as they want. But in essence, they all also their taxes is actually truly going to help the economy. So yeah, that's my utopian thought. As long as the companies do everything morally,、mm-hmm. then let them do it. And the more moral that they are, the more the government should endorse them or help them, incentivize them. Right. But we don't live in that world, and I don't know how. I really don't know how we do that in、yeah. our human. Burn it down. <laughs> I think it goes back what you're saying. It's like these guys shouldn't have that much influence. I, I I'm all for fair play. I would love、yeah. it if the game the rules of the game were fair for all of us. My degree is in accounting. When I finished school in 2001,、mm-hmm. I was able to look around and see that I couldn't afford a house、mm-hmm. at at 40 grand a year. Right. But there's also a historical perspective. If you look back over time,、mm-hmm. houses used to be a lot cheaper. Sure. Cars used to be a lot cheaper. People used to make more money. You know, it was relatively, yeah, right. Relatively, right. yeah.、Mm-hmm. So、uh, you have all these complicated、uh, forces like inflation.、Mm-hmm. Uh, inflation. Where does that come from? Money printing,、mm-hmm. or does it come from all the laws that are written? We have corporations that are here to seek a profit. So what happens in the end? You, you can you can take the whole picture, right?、Mm-hmm. And what we get in the end is something like the the richest nation in all of human history,、mm-hmm. with all these lucky people that live here, right?、Mm-hmm. And every other nation on Earth, every other advanced nation on Earth, has figured out free healthcare for the citizens,、mm-hmm. paid for through their taxes. Right. We pay a ton of taxes. We don't really pay less taxes than all these socialist countries. We、mm-hmm. just pay it in different ways that、sure. are hidden and disguised. Sure. And now, to get some medical care,、mm-hmm. we're supporting a profit-making hospital industry,、mm-hmm. a profit-making insurance industry in between, a profit-making pharmaceuticals industry. All who have incredible power to lobby. Lobby means bribery.、Mm-hmm. Bri- lobby has taken millions of dollars to Washington D.C.、mm-hmm. and changing the rules so that you can make more profit. Right? We pay that in our healthcare costs. Yeah. So in every little way, we're getting robbed at every turn. Oh yeah. So those little bites, we accept it because we grew up in it, and we don't notice that the, these piranha bites are eating the flesh off of our bodies. Right. And until you're at a point where a hardworking person isn't getting a fair share at some point, right? Right. So it's hard to it, it's hard when you bring up、um, the specific points against,、mm-hmm. but in the whole picture, we can see that things are not getting better for the hardworking people. I think、right? those piranha bites are repainted through some type of patriotic、um, view, like. Whether it be, and this would be a bad example, like the, <clears throat> well, you find ways to blame the poor, right? They're sucking us down. Yeah, yeah,、right? and or well, and joining the military,、mm, tax money goes into that, but joining the military is a patriotic thing to do, which、mm-hmm. it, it is, it is, but it's it's a weird thing when the tax money gets. Yeah, all in and so so it gets complicated. There's things I would argue against specifically. Sure. Why is lobbying legal? I agree, hundred percent. Right, I agree with you. So、yep. why why does campaign money matter? Why are super PACs even allowed? Right. right? Yeah. yeah. So yeah.、Um, why does it cost two billion dollars to become president of the United States? Right. No, I agree with you. It's it's a if you want to be a politician, it should be a public service、mm-hmm. position. Why do rich people fight and spend money to get into a public service position? There's something、mm-hmm. obviously wrong there. Yeah. Right. So those are the things that I would, if we could fix those things. Yeah. I, we'd have much better. You and I, you and I, have found common ground on that. Yeah. And, and I think what I was 
trying to horribly articulate was the easy escape is tax the rich. I really truly believe that because it's not a matter of do we have enough tax revenue. It's shitty spending. Yes, I agree. Government is shitty spending, yeah. right? From, from every level, from the top down. And the crazy thing about government, unlike when, you know, I told my story, when I ran out of credit limit, ran out of ability to get a loan and this and that, I had to mm-hmm. stop and face the music. Yeah. What does the government do when they run out of money? They do two things. They print more money. Yeah. And they raise the debt ceiling. It's mm-hmm. like me capping out my credit card and say, hey, uh, I know I maxed out, but give me another $10,000. Raise the limit. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, well, you haven't made a payment in like two years. But yeah, give me another ten thousand dollars anyway. Yeah. It's the same principle. So, so I think, I think when it comes to that type of conversation, there's a lot of nuances. Number one, number two is I think we all have to be honest about it too, of of what it really comes down to. And I think it does come down to the horrible management of it. I would agree with that. Yeah. I mean, I've always said the government, the U.S. government has the right, a legal right to audit us. Mm-hmm. Why in the f are we not allowed to audit them? Uh, there's the government accounting office that's supposed to supposed to supposed to be doing that. <laughs> GAO. Yeah. GAO. Where yet? Yeah. Well, who's paying their who's paying their salaries? We are. But uh-huh. anyway, I think during the 2008 crash, I don't remember the name. There was uh, the head of uh, like Treasury. Mm-hmm. Greenspan. That's it. No. Uh, Bernanke. I think it was a female. They were asking her, well, if if we, if you're Janet Yellen, you're in charge. Uh, you're in charge of auditing the the numbers in the in the Federal Reserve. Mm. I, I'm probably ruining this whole story, but her, <laughs> it's all rigged. Go, go with it. Go with it. She her response is like, well, there's so much uh, numbers here, we can't really audit it that well. And they're like, but you are the head yeah. of auditing those numbers. Yeah. How can our nation trust your your analysis? And you're saying you can't. You don't even have the resources to actually audit that yeah it was just jaw-droppingly fucked up that they can't even manage their own funds and understand where money is going and incompetence well yeah, yeah. that's what, that's what i was gonna say it's like if nothing else covid well to, to people that aren't um i don't want to disparage anybody i almost said sheep i don't want poor people no, oh. no 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 to people people that are people that have been been kind of you know brainwashed due to isolation, fear, all that stuff that's happened with COVID. Um, if you can't recognize that the government is at its best incompetent, mm. at its worst, there's a lot of fuckery. Yeah. <laughs> it goes on mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. And I actually think it's the latter, unfortunately, right? right? But either way, at its best, they're just incompetent. They're just dumb. I and mean, They just happen to get elected. Mm-hmm. But even if that's the best case scenario, it's like, holy shit, we got to fix them, you know, this thing. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I think then, I guess in a long-winded way to answer your question, how do we fix it? I think you also have to work on the individual too. You know, I don't, I don't, me personally, I don't depend on government to save me or break me down or whatever. But we'll roll with it, whatever changes come out. I mean, there's a lot of talks about different tax laws that are coming out that's definitely going to affect my business for the worse. Yeah. But you figure it out. You know, yeah. you go from there. I think it's how to get somebody from desperation, you know, basically on, you know, on the verge of their own internal collapse to move into a more positive direction. That's probably the bigger focus, honestly. When yeah. I was like, I'm, I'm going to connect the story to that. Um, when I was 
probably about 24, I was kind of looking at a little bit of housing prices and that I was using credit cards too much, but I was using credit cards too much because my salary wasn't going up, but then car, car prices, it's just like everything was getting more expensive. And I was just like, how do I live in this world? And uh, Also, you had two cars. What? Now one, it, one of them was a race car. Yeah, I remember the race car story. <laughs> <laughs> that was 29. I'll just I was 28. With you. I was, wait, 27? I was 27 uh, then. But um, <laughs> that, that's later in life. That's, that's me fucking up even more later. Hey 2.3 financing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so sorry. When I was like 24 and kind of looking at the situation, the rat race and how the government taxes and stuff, I was just like, how the fuck do I get through this? It, for me, I don't know if this works for everybody else, but I guess this is my long story for advice for people. Ultimately, keep your eyes open, but I'll explain my story. So mm-hmm. it, when I was 14 years old, I was do, um, playing around with websites. I was learning HTML on my own uh, my own time. I was playing on the internet a lot. And if at some point later in life, Emmett said to me, like, man, it's too bad you didn't go live in San Francisco, uh, Silicon Sil- Valley. Mm-hmm. And then um, I almost said Silicon Valley. And then um, no, not that you could have known, but that if you had been there, the opportunities would have been so drastically different. Yeah, I think in those days, the early days of the internet, that really was the mecca. And yeah, the, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. Lim was obviously a smart dude working on the internet very early, but he was just in San Diego, and there wasn't other people around and yeah. startup yeah. companies and all these this environment. Yeah, that that could have uh, provided opportunities mm-hmm. for him. Yep, that was like 1994, 1998. Oh yeah. Um. And I was like, what was that, 14, 16 years old. And so later on, as I then I got older, went to college, got a job. And then the, that, the whole thought of money is like, man, everything's so expensive. How are people, how are people living these nice, nice lives in San Diego? Like, I'm barely making a buy. Mm-hmm. And I'm in IT. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? My salary wasn't that great. But then something, I guess it dawned on, or to me it dawned on, to me it's like, I missed that internet era, that that uh, dot com boom, where mm-hmm. I could hopefully if I or if I was in Silicon Valley, maybe I could have made something. But I missed that. That's fine. Mm-hmm. So I told myself, keep your eyes open. And good for you. I was and uh, one opportunity, two thousand two, where I created suggestionfinder.com, which ended up Yelp came out and Yelp was bigger. Um, I created a website that did the same. I was I I, I was ahead of Yelp. Mm-hmm. I created a website you could do restaurant reviews. I even had unique coupons people could create. And then I was so early that when I pitched my ideas to companies, I, I forget if I told this story on on my my show where we were talking. Oh, about okay, it. okay, okay. So I'll I'll skip that. No, no, no. Go ahead, because not everyone wants all the same thing. But no. Uh, so I'll, I'll make it short. Then um, I was pitching that idea to new restaurant to restaurants like, hey, yeah. come sign on to my website. It's free advertising for your company. In 2002, keep in mind 2002, these companies are like, no, you're a scam, man. We don't want to sign up to your website. Right. And then just two years later, Yelp comes out and they're a multi-million dollar company. So I was just two years ahead and didn't know how to market it well and whatnot. But so I missed that too. Mm -hmm. Then I kept on saying, just keep your eyes out. Just keep your eyes out. That moment's going to happen. Unfortunately, I think... uh, Facebook, Uber, and I missed out on that. I wish I had, I was smart enough to put, if, put money into their stock. Cause mm-hmm. being an IT, I think I would have been ahead of the, the, um, what's the word? Like just everyone buying, I would have known ahead of time. Yeah. Ahead of the curve. Yeah. Yeah. And I missed out on that too. Mm-hmm. And I kept on saying, just keep your eyes out. And then 2016, a friend said, Hey, what do you think about cryptocurrency? Mm-hmm. 
actually, I mean, 2008 was the end of 2008 when the white paper of Bitcoin first came out. Right. A friend said, what do you think? And I failed on that too. Right. I failed and I was like, oh, I think that's a fad. That doesn't make sense how it would work out. 2017, a different friend said, hey, what do you you think about Ethereum? I'm like, what's that? The cryptocurrency? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, like Bitcoin? I'm like, "Uh, I think I already passed on that. He's like, well, just take a look at Mm -hmm. Ethereum. And by chance, I went home. It wasn't because, well, I looked at Ethereum, then I would try to go to the base of what blockchain is. I looked at the consensus mechanism, and that's where the light bulb went off. I was like, this is that moment. Mm. I need to go in on this. Yeah. And luckily, I put a, 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 small, a small amount then into, crypto, into Ethereum, and it's, it's, uh, sure. that was the moment. So It's done well since then? <laughs> it's done very well. It's all right. <laughs> so okay. It's okay. my suggestion for people listening whether you're in IT, I, I think other businesses is might be. I, I don't. I want. is not a financial advisor. He does not dispense financial advice on the internet. <laughs> I want like I, other businesses might be tougher. Like if they're if they love dogs and they they know a dog grooming business that's about to open up and they think it's. Yeah. But maybe they know that enough, and maybe they can make an educated choice. Keep your eyes open and make educated choices and learn on the way. Mm-hmm. That's my suggestion. No, I love that. I love that. Do you have anything to add? Before my, my stupid well, mouth starts I, I think moving. we started off with 80% of businesses fail, so yeah. be prepared to lose 80% of the time. Yeah. But that if you do the, hopefully if you do the investments right, mm-hmm. if you could even just throw in like $1,000, like if you're able to muster up losing mm-hmm. $1,000, but that $1,000 could turn out to be yeah. a very substantial amount later. Let, let me, and for the record, we paid back everybody that invested in uh, oh, our failed coffee point. shop. Yeah, yeah. We, so oh. our coffee shop went under and uh, the people who had, put money up we're like well it was a startup investment and mm-hmm. we lost but after you know recovering and getting a job and stuff we paid back everybody that just because that was for your own morality yeah. just your mm-hmm. own feel good yeah no, no exactly. that's awesome yeah. i mean yeah. that that says a lot about you guys a lot of people just run <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> sorry I, I, we lost <laughs> yeah. I, I joke about being an evil capitalist but reality is i i live morally i i you're a softie. I, 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 have, I have a softie. I have to try <laughs> remind me to tell you guys what i do uh every now and then in terms of uh crying but anyway that's a weird story i'll 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 tell you youtube because this you know it's about being transparent um i want to piggyback off of that a little bit and and say this you know i don't know this shouldn't be controversial but the idea of following your dreams that's for most people i want to say for 95 percent, 98 percent of the people out there go out there and shoot for your dreams is bullshit advice Okay, mm. it's bullshit advice, and I'll explain why. If you be, because just like anything, there's a top, there's levels to everything. You want to be yeah. a great singer, cool. Top one percent of people probably make it right. Mm. Nowadays, it's a little bit better because you can self-produce, you can be YouTube, you be whatever. But if you're, if, if my dream was to play in the NBA and I followed my dream, I would be destitute, right? It, it's just not yeah. going to work. Right? Yeah. I'm not, I'm not Jeremy Lin. Or, well, you're right? all, you're like a foot and a half too short. That 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 and I suck. I was just playing with my buddies over the weekend. They're like, "Oh, dude, let's just let's forget forget basketball. Let's just play horse. Let's just keep this thing basic." Hey, Rick, right? the ball goes into the hoop. You want to throw it into the hoop, yeah, man? So let me let me explain. Not following your dreams doesn't mean you cannot live your dreams. Okay, I suggest, and I think I said this um, when I talked to you guys, is that. I don't need to know what people want to do with their life or what their calling is, but without even knowing it, I can guarantee it requires some type of financial independence, right? If not complete independence. Right. So my hope 
And my non-advice, because this is YouTube, is that whatever your dream <laughs> Don't is. Don't do this. <laughs> right? Whatever your dream is, find the financial vehicle that will free you up so that you can do your dreams. If yes. you wanted to be a dancer, you want to be a performer, you want to do all that stuff, you want to sing, cook, bake, all that, you will enjoy the process even more when there's no monetary need behind it. You know, so is that the same as don't quit your day job? Yeah, it's basically a fancy way of saying don't quit your day job. But more importantly, take your day job to find something that's going to fund your dream. Mm, yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. So, so the day job, the day job is to pay the bills, and the day job is it's not for nice cars. The day job is to pay your bills, live yeah. your life, and start pulling things together, start investing, start studying. The biggest investment people ask me all the time. It sounds so corny, Rick. I got. Um, they come to me. They go, I got five thousand dollars. I got a thousand dollars. I got five thousand, ten thousand dollars. I want to invest. What should I invest in? And I go yourself. And they go, What the fuck does that even mean? Yeah. I want to. I want to see money come back. I go. You're not gonna have any long term money unless you change your mind, unless you change your education, unless you put your time into being around the people that's gonna change who you are. Because you do have to change who you are. Yeah. You know what I mean? So going back to what I say, it's like you know, don't 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 give up on your dreams, but don't follow it solely you want to do something fall in love with it find the monetary vehicle that's going to support it and live the kind of life you want to live yeah you know what i mean so I, I would agree with that uh i would see that as um so i went to san diego state a very affordable education especially at that time mm -hmm. um got a degree in accounting because i thought a business degree is the only thing that makes sense mm -hmm. right because i have to pay bills sure i thought when i turned 18 my job is to figure out how to become an adult pay bills mm-hmm Right, so that's kind of where my head was at, and I did that, and I can get, and I, so I came out of college, got an accounting job. I hated it for three years. I'm sitting in a cubicle working on spreadsheets, and I was always thinking about what do I, how do I get out of this, right? Mm -hmm. But that was the best foundation because a, it's about money, so I understand money very easily, right? Um, but b, it's a great foundation for whatever you do in business because mm -hmm. money, money is a big part of it. And so I tried to transition out of it. I went to uh, mortgage loans. Mm -hmm. So doing mortgages back in like 05, 06, um, to me that was customer facing, mm -hmm. right? So I took a baby step towards, not, not my dreams, but something I liked more. More, yeah. Right, so um, doing stuff like the coffee shop, we were able to go all in because we don't have kids. Right. You know, if you got kids to feed, it's hard. It's different, sure. Yeah, so we... We chased our dreams, but we we knew we had the dice to roll, mm -hmm. right? So you, you like you say, you can't just go want to be a singer if you don't, if you can't support yourself, right? So I think as long as you've got a plan and you've got everything figured out in your life, yeah, then do your hobbies and do the things you love to do, right? Um, and then maybe it'll pan out. Yeah, and I I think it motivates you too. Because, you know, like I said, shiny car, all that stuff is fine. It's fun. It's, it's all that. But if you know that you can, here's my, here's my, here's my boring financial freedom millionaire life, right? Um, when I get to 40 doors, 40 rentals, mm -hmm. this is going to be my life until I change, change it. Yeah. My life would be waking up super early. I say 4.30 a.m. before the sun comes up. This is your fantasy? Hold on. Let me finish. Oh, okay. Just because... I want to prove to myself that I got the grit to do it. Go to do some type of physical training, whether it's weights, boxing, whatever, like yeah. get a good sweat going. Fitness. Fitness is number one. Go home, shower up, have my breakfast, 
and take a three-hour nap <laughs> while everyone else is working mid-morning. Yeah. I love naps. I love naps where I love sleep. Yeah. So I'll take a nap on the couch. Okay. I'll wake up, probably grab some lunch, and then from there, go do some type of hobby. Yeah. And then come home and spend time with my, my, my family. And that hobby and that day can change. But the point of what I was drawing out is there shouldn't be, or very few, I should say, moments during the day when I'm doing something that is not by choice. So, so this is the idea that uh, rental income is is taking care of all your needs. Mm-hmm. So this is your the day you would choose. Yeah, my day yeah. my day would be that. Now, yeah. obviously, you know, my wife can interject and I'm be blind. But <laughs> <laughs> she's the boss, but um, no, <laughs> you know, it's like everyone fantasizes the the yachts, you know, the cars, the big houses, the parties, and this that. And it's like, dude, it's like yeah. that that freedom. You know what I mean? That, that freedom to be a little bit frivolous. Dude, I'm a step ahead of you. I skip straight to the nap by not waking up. I <laughs> Dude, go for, yeah. <laughs> napping, is, napping is the best, for me, is the best form of sleep. I wake up at 4.30 a.m., I go pee, and then I go back to nap. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I go pee back to nap. I guess I'd be considering a nap. Huh? What about you, Lim? Well, what's, uh, what's kind of like a, a picture-perfect day for you? Oh, uh, man. I would... I, someone jokingly... I was... Uh, I think I was chatting with some friends online. He, they jokingly, they we were playing a lot of video games. It was a Discord uh, chat room, and one of them said, "What is?" He said, "What is wrong with today where every hobby has to make money?" Mm. And and I was like, I actually, I was, I was thinking to myself, I don't think that's so bad if you could do a hobby mm-hmm. and make money. So right now, this podcast is is kind of my hobby, and mm-hmm. I I think. I theorize when I get older, I will hopefully still enjoy this. So if this can make money yeah. and, subst- and sustain sustain me and or uh, there's crypto investments and other investments that could sustain me too. So one of the two, hopefully one of the two could sustain me. Or do people need money-making hobbies because the squeeze is so hard that a regular person can't get by on the regular job? There's a lot of truth to that. That's, that, that, to that. that, that that's something that I keep in that's I think everyone has to keep in mind as in I guess when I say the word sustain sustain is including the government printing money inflating the value and therefore depreciating our our bank accounts yeah yeah I think I think it's um, like if everybody had easy jobs that paid really well mm-hmm. you wouldn't have as much interest in side hustles and money-making hobbies and investment people wouldn't be worried about that too much they'd be happy to just Eat yeah, the hamburger helper. And, yeah, and, that, and that's you know, that's a utor, uh, utopia way you know of painting a society, which you know feels good, sounds great. But, yeah, and you know, I we, think that on on that, um, there's. Sorry, I'm not trying to bring it back to politics. No, no, no. no, 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 no. no. Well, I forget <laughs> if it was Norway or Sweden. There's mm-hmm. a lot of um, so where their healthcare systems a lot mm-hmm. easier. The even the penal system where if you do some crime, you don't go to a hardcore jail. Mm-hmm. But even then, some of the well, it's a rehabilitative system, not yeah. penal. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah, not um, punitive. The there's a lot of like IT technologies coming out from there. Supposedly, I say supposedly because I don't. I've watched some short documentaries, and maybe they're painting the the rosy picture. Mm. But it looks like there's some really good new technology coming out of there. So I am assuming that that statement. I guess I'm. I'm just. I don't. I kind of think that might not be true. I don't know if that because I have a I have a bias. I hope that in a utopian world where the government is able to take care of their fucking finances and then mm. healthcare is at least reasonably taken care of, 
Yeah. And jobs make sense where you could actually go to work, make a livable wage, mm-hmm. and not have to worry that your dollar is going to depreciate over the years. But uh, I think it was Sweden where they, they seem to be still innovating over there, I think. So are they, yeah. I mean, are they, per, do they have an Elon Musk? I don't know if that's, if that's more of a world macroeconomics reason that they don't have an Elon Musk. So anyways, yeah, I think they're still doing stuff. So there, there is a wildness to the U.S. that I mm-hmm. think uh, creates the good and bad. 100%. You beat me to it. That's, that's, yeah. That was my comment is that you want, you know, you, 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 want, you want the good guys. You know, you, you want this, this, this great country, this great opportunity. And unfortunately, you go down history, it was created through blood. Mm. You know, and it's just the reality of, of it. You know, any great society, any great empire, any great whatever, it, it is created through blood. Mm. It's created through conquering, saying through colonization. Um, you know, we don't have to go down politics. Because I also don't want you know to, to to talk about you know trying to trying to punish and penalize people now because of their skin color, just because their ancestors were colonizers. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But my my point to that is, is I, I think the wildness that you're talking about is what does make us uniquely great, yeah. both on the side of the spectrum. When yeah. it's corrupt, it's probably one of the worst in the world. But at our best, we are, we are you know, at least ideally the beacon for hope, free enterprise, and success. Yeah. You know? I mean... Let me ask, I don't know much about Sweden and Norway's politics and their government regulations or what have you, but everyone always points to them as far as how the government is, is creating, you know, this utopia for people. People don't stress. They live a calm life, this and that. Well, I mean, I know their corporate tax rates are super high. Their, their personal tax rate is super high, but, you know, it is what it is. If they're getting what they're paying for, all power to them. I well, also ask then how come people aren't moving there more? I mean, you're not allowed to, for one. I'm, I'm, that's the wildness that you're talking about. You yeah. got to take the good with the bad too. Yeah. Wait, what's right? that? You, you can't flood the borders of those Northern European nations. Mm-hmm. Uh, Strange how that works out, huh? Yeah. I mean, it, so I think of it as a boat where if everybody's paying taxes and you're, you're rowing in the boat, mm-hmm. so you can't have too many people jump in all at once. You're going to sink the boat. Right. Mm-hmm. So there is a little bit of that. I'm happier if everybody in the boat is rowing and helping along. Right. Mm-hmm. You don't want anybody in the boat not pulling their weight. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I think there's a lot to be learned from Northern Europe from those countries. And then there's also human nature too, right? Mm-hmm. Because like, um, son of a gun, is it Singapore? I think it's Singapore. I met a kid from Singapore, and um, he came here. He said, you know, Singapore, as far as their naturalized citizens, they're probably some of the, you know, the wealthiest concentration, biggest concentration of wealth. Everyone mm-hmm. lives above. You know, the poverty line, 90% live above the poverty line, all the other stuff, right? Yeah. It's, it's the mecca for commerce in Southeast Asia. It's this and that. But they... Or, or is it a banking tax haven? That too. Okay. That's why. All right. Uh, but what he was telling me is like, but you also have to conform mm, because yeah. it's a strong society based on conform, groupthink, and you don't have that freedom to kind of be a free thinker and have opinions and what have you. I mean, this is the society where you can't chew gum on the sidewalk, right? Cause they want to keep it pristine. Right. This is also, you know, public punishment and corporal punishment and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, and he told me something that's very unique and their way 
they have a conformist. There is no individualization. You're yeah. one unity. So here's a perfect example. Let's say in America, right? You you get affluent, you make money, you move to a better neighborhood. You mm-hmm. know, you can say what you say about skin color, all that stuff, but people, when they get better, they want to move to a better neighborhood. Yeah, nobody wants to live in a shitty neighborhood. Right. Yeah. Here's how Singapore sets up their population. Let's say, what area is this? Uh, in the southwest. Southwest. So let's say southwest right now. We're in an okay neighborhood in Vegas. So so southwest, <laughs> right? Let's just say they took, I love they, the they, took, they took a look at Las Vegas and they say it's made up of uh, 50% whites, you know, 20% blacks, you know, 10% Asian, et cetera, et cetera. This is, a, this is a hypothetical? No, no, this is real. In the but, past? No, 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 I'm talking about in Singapore. This is how they look oh, at okay, it. So okay, whatever sorry, their sorry. national population breakdown is, mm-hmm. each grid, each section of their, their, uh, their um, cities mm-hmm. represent the same. Yeah. So what they prevented is where they, prevent, they prevented, oh, that's a black neighborhood. Right. That's an Asian neighborhood. That's a Vietnamese neighborhood. That's a white neighborhood. There's yeah. only one neighborhood. There's only one country. There's only one nation. That's the Singaporean, you know, and I think it's still monarch, I believe, but I think it's more for symbolism. Yeah. But, um, but my point to that is, so you get this utopian society, but then you also lose the, the, the cool thing that comes with being a little bit of a cowboy, like you said. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Singapore is a different case because they're literally the size of a city. Right. It's, it's a city sized nation. Um, but yeah, I would agree with you. I, I'll be, I'm this close to writing a book about everything I think is fucked up in the U.S. <laughs> I'm this close. Yeah, so you know, I'll go write a manifesto. I don't, I don't know if it'll be worth doing at all. <laughs> but the crazy thing is, I'm bitching while sitting in this mm-hmm. awesome, beautiful house with a fucking Ford Raptor out front. Yeah, like a super truck that anybody would, you know, you you can't drive a Raptor in Europe. You know, the gas costs a lot more. Yeah. It won't fit on the streets. Right, Everybody's right. driving a used hatchback. Um, or bike biking everywhere, yeah. Bicycling around, right? So I, I have so much to be thankful and grateful for. Uh, I guess what I'm bitching about is systematically, right? I want mm-hmm. the system to be fair. It's not. I don't think I'm not bitching about me. <clears throat> I think I'm very lucky and did very well. Sure. So I'm bitching about a fair playing field. I think is is where I would go with that. But, I think going back to what we said earlier is somehow we got to stop the funneling of influence, mm-hmm. you know, via cash. Yeah, from but, powerful donors. Yeah, but I think you make a great point about the greatness of America. Is something like SpaceX? Mm-hmm. That company is is changing freaking rockets, right? Changing space. Um, the space game was was fucked up in the U.S. The U.S. is the only country that was rich enough and powerful enough to have this strong of a space program, and that turned into a defense contractor game to suck money out of the U.S. government to be incompetent and not produce ways to get to space. Well, the exploration was non-existent. Yeah, space, space shuttle went under, yeah. it was too expensive, and then they couldn't come up with anything to replace it. We were flying on Russian rockets. Mm-hmm. Even the rockets the U.S. has are using Russian rocket engines. Mm-hmm. So just insanity of, of all these billions of dollars being inappropriately spent, mm-hmm. uh, as, as you say. Um, and then SpaceX comes along and changes the game by becoming a productive, efficient, useful company that can fucking launch things into space private also because it's a private sector at a reasonable cost Mm -hmm. right um the downside of that is anybody that works at spacex will tell you that it sucks to work there like you're either on board for giving your life over to getting the mission to mars or you're fired yeah right so that's not it's not the utopia no but but it it is amazing but it's also i don't want to be harsh but 
you, you don't like to work at SpaceX. Yeah. There's no legal binding law that says you have to. No, now, I, now, I agree. Yeah. yeah. Now, if you're saying I'm stuck because damn, I make a great salary. I just hate my job. Yeah. Then that's, you know, that's a different conversation. Yeah. But there's no entity in existence that mm-hmm. is forcing you to work there. Yeah. So it's a weird um, paradigm or whatever. So SpaceX doing something amazing and yet the employees may not be super happy. Mm-hmm. And then you got Amazon who where Amazon seems to be doing everything to the letter of the law, but not to the spirit of the law. And mm-hmm. the employees hate the fucking shit out of Jeff Bezos. If that makes, if yeah, you yeah, I've heard many it, stories. Yeah. So yeah. it's a, it's a, it's an interesting paradigm. You got SpaceX and Amazon, Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos. I, I think what's happening at Amazon is people look at Jeff Bezos and go, man, this guy got billions, billions of dollars. He could afford to pay us more is really what they're thinking. Sure. Um, when you look at Elon Musk, you, you go, he's got billions, billions of dollars. He's saving it to try to get us to Mars. Right. He's, he's not, buying up apartments in new york and yeah i think the difference is you're seeing when you have unlimited money you're going through a midlife crisis versus someone that is literally is trying to change the trajectory of mankind yeah you know it's yeah. like the penis shaped rocket you know the, the new girlfriend all this stuff but god bless them i always say man <laughs> if you want to be frivolous you want to be live your life as an a-hole you want to live your life as a bond villain yeah and you and you've made the financial moves to get you there then god bless you He's not even entertaining, though. You could be more entertaining. You know what? The thing is, we spent the last 20 minutes talking about Jeff Bezos. He doesn't even know the hell we are. And then, no, and, and, then, and then, like, Amazon has been at my door, like, every day for yeah, you know, every season. Yeah, yeah. 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 Hours, too. Yeah, unfortunately, right? Yeah. yeah. But um, anyway, go, going back to you guys, man, I, I, I enjoy this format. And I do love the fact that, you know, and and that's that's another thing that I want us to do more of, not us, but but just as a society is, let's get back to, hey, I don't agree with you on this point, or or counter what my thoughts are because you're mm-hmm. opening my mind to something else, and then after this we're gonna go have dinner. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, yeah, we got to break away from that whole tribal thing that we I think we touched on when I was mm-hmm. here. You know, I think mm-hmm. we can start there. Let's start yeah. there. You know, and then I think help people get uh, financially um, educated, and then what they do with education is on them. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So, uh, Emmett, what's your hope for the future, my friend? Besides uh, doom and gloom and, and death and the uh, implosion of mankind. Yeah. Um, maybe maybe it's a, a Steven Pinker view that as much as I want things to be perfect or mm-hmm. great, it looks like over time things seem to get a little bit better in, in general. Mm. Um, would, so would you prefer to live in any time in the past? Right. If I could go, if I could live in 1950s America, would I rather be there? Mm-hmm. Would I rather be in 1970s America? Would I rather be in a different country? You know, I feel maybe I'm lucky to be exactly where I am. Mm-hmm. And if the future keeps getting better, I wish I could have been in the future instead. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Um, maybe I missed out on the 70s. <laughs> Which one, which one is the, the free free sex and love? Is that 60s? 60s, 70s, 70s uh, yeah. muscle cars, gas oh, was yeah. cheap, Yeah, houses were affordable, jobs paid well. Maybe it was only if you're white, though. <laughs> For a long time, sure. I, I think yeah. so. I think so. Uh, I, I wonder if that's still the case. I mean, I, my yeah. life experience is different. You know, maybe maybe a half Vietnamese guy wouldn't have done well in the 70s. <laughs> I always tell people, man, if Bruce Lee can marry a, a white chick in the 60s, 70s, those Asian <laughs> yeah. people can do anything. You know what I mean? Well, he had to, had to have the power to kick anybody in the face, though. Yeah. 
people forget, man. Bruce Lee was like five five and yeah. one hundred thirty five pounds. It's not like he was this big stature guy. He just has the presence and the confidence too. Yeah, you know, intensity, so, intensity. Yeah. So about yeah. you, Lynn, what's what's your hope for the future? What are your thoughts oh, on the future? I'm gonna walk you down to Sci Fi Road here. Oh, um, I like it. We're gonna talk so, about the metaverse. <laughs> well, <that's, laughs> uh, between uh, YouTube, TikTok, Facebook, and then um, let's start with podcasting. Mm-hmm. It's all podcasting, man. <laughs> I, I hope from podcasting. Uh, I heard this from Sager from Sager and Jetty from uh, Breaking Points. He's a YouTube news. Mm-hmm center left person and he co-hosts with the center right crystal ball but he mentions he's he sees as cnn is starting to collapse mm-hmm. and podcasting might start to take over that arena uh so there might be not just one joe rogan mm-hmm. it's probably going to spread out to small joe rogans throughout so every city is going to have their own joe rogan or multiple joe rogan so these podcasting right. things are going to grow and that may be the political movement, as mm-hmm. in these podcasts can go politically and or just socially for entertainment. But that could change the the future of politics as yeah. as because we saw how Trump got into uh, politics from being on TV. Mm-hmm. So po- podcasting may kind of go that route where he got into it by uh, bashing Obama on Twitter, being anti-Obama. I, I would also say... CNN, MSNBC had to do with him getting elected more than, mm-hmm. than they would care to admit. Because he was great content. Mm-hmm. He was 20, entertaining. And it was 24-7 <clears throat> for however long it lasted. Yeah, whatever stupid shit he was saying was highly entertaining. So hopefully in a sci-fi future, the, this podcasting platform with these long formats mm-hmm. will get someone like an Andrew Yang into office. If you yeah. get satellite podcasts, mm-hmm. Joe Rogan's everywhere, and then Andrew Yang could get in, and then we could get we we probably need three or four Andrew Yangs. Uh, meaning Andrew Yang does two two terms, mm-hmm. and we need someone like Andrew Yang to back to back to back to fix this country. No, it's, there's always a backlash against whatever you just had. Yeah, but hopefully with w- right now with uh, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, how it looks so bad. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm hopeful. I'm I'm I cringe at the <laughs> at how possibly wrong I, I, I can be or maybe probably will be. Yeah. That will show the bad qualities in humans and we will start to realize it. So this is a reflection. These are mirrors on yeah. us. Mm-hmm. We as a nation and as as the globe, hopefully we start seeing that mirror as a mirror and not blaming facebook we're not we shouldn't be blaming facebook or twitter that this is us this is our problem we mm. need to fix it but in that light with podcasting facebook twitter andrew yang all that we hopefully find a way for people to become more empathetic more open and and smarter too yeah as as they listen to more podcasts they hear these conversations mm. they get smarter mm. so i don't know is that a 20 30 that's a 30 year game plan um you got a way better answer than I did. <laughs> uh, but it's, I could be completely wrong. I think most people probably watching this are going to be like, that guy's a fucking idiot. Like, no, I, I, I agree with you. And, and I think that's why I want to participate in it as well, too. You know what I mean? I mean, look, if, if Andrew Yang never had the Joe Rogan podcast and was never on, on Joe Rogan podcast, I would have fallen to the trap of believing, oh, here's another show, socialist that wants just to give my money away from everybody, you know? Mm-hmm. 
prior to him having the platform like Joe Rogan, he was on Ed Milet, and Ed Milet took him the task, and he did great. Um, I, I I had never been a big time because I'm I was I, I'm from this I'm from the the experience of assistance, government platforms, government assistance temporarily. I don't I'm not a big fan of sucking on the teeth forever because mm -hmm. in my personal experience and belief it dulls your it dulls the incentive to go out and be your best or strive for something right but having him in long platform format discussing and breaking down and saying how we will pay for it how it does affect other people and and what an extra thousand dollars really how it can change most of, not our lives but for mm -hmm. a majority of americans that it can make or break them you know what i mean mm -hmm. and that all comes back to because of a podcast you know mm. uh tosi gabbert who's another mm. left by the way these two that i, that I just named i will 100 you know really really contemplate and voting for them if they were on a ticket together mm. um I'm, I'm i'm tired of great grandparents running our country yeah right? i agree with that no, yeah. we, we need some young blood man but yeah if i fell into the trap of just seeing her labeled as you know the democratic party um, even though she's a veteran, she was anti, you know, military because she was kind of on the, the side of Assad talking how we shouldn't have gone in there and intervened, stuff like that, because those are just talking points. But mm -hmm. when she sits on a long platform format and she talks, she breaks down and you get to see, oh, this is how they truly think, this is how they truly feel, then you get to know the person, which is so important, right? Yeah. Like, look at the bullshit debates. I mean, we, we are picking not just a president for the country, we're picking for the leader of the free world. Mm -hmm. And the debates is bullshit. It's entertainment. It's not even entertainment anymore. It used to be entertainment, but yeah, you're right. It's just, okay, you get two seconds to answer this, and then you get one, one minute to, no, sit your ass down. We'll run this thing until we're done, you know? And then let, mm -hmm. the, let, let the American people decide, because if they're done with it, they won't, they'll log off, and we'll know, mm, yeah. you know? But as long as there's 100 million views, guess what? People really want to know what you're thinking, what your plan is. Yeah. And I and I think Lim, I, I'm I'm bullish on that as well too. Is platforms like this will allow, you know, people to really show who they are because you can't lie yeah. in platforms like this that long. Yeah, you know. I think uh, I don't know. I've been trying to convince everybody I'm not a pervert for like an hour. Now. <laughs> <laughs> and then add I'll, on, I'll delete that out. <laughs> <laughs> and then add on blockchain. I know I always bring up blockchain, but that's another factor of a global consensus too. Mm -hmm. So that's a global thing not just a national thing so if that yeah. can have a consensus of truth for people to share ideas I'd, elections yeah yeah i don't know exactly how that's going to look but uh -huh. election elections should go on there property rights taxation mm -hmm. visi uh, visibility of taxation where yeah. money goes that yeah. can be on the blockchain yeah the biggest fear for any controlling power is transparency yes yep, mm. yep. and we if we can force that mm -hmm. then we'll keep them honest for the people for the people so i don't think these conversations happen enough um you know between friends family yeah especially right now right now it's like if you touch politics and you don't agree then you're like shunned and if you do agree you're not learning anything because you're just in your bubble right or left so right? pe people just pick a side and hate each other they pick a side hate each other or they pick a team and they just run with it and thinking that's the only voice they need to hear yeah. you know what i mean you're right i mean you sit down you, you think about it it's like yeah it's, it's weird. And then and these people that are fighting for one side or another, it's like you're basically fighting for the same, you know, the same entity, just yeah. two different heads, just different flavor of crook. Yeah. 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 But I do. I do. For the first time, I really am, am drawn to um, uh, Andrew, not because he's Asian. I people I have a lot of people that 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 wanted to vote for him because of that. I think that's dumb. 
That's the wrong reason. Yeah, that's one hundred percent the wrong reason. It's that's like, like wanting to vote for Hillary because she was a woman. Yeah, but what, what a lot of people did. Right. I heard what Kanye said about uh, um, Kamala the other day. It was pretty funny. He said uh, they did the right thing in the black community by bringing her on. Um, they got so many women to come out, uh, women of color to come out and vote. You would think Drake was on the ticket. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Pretty funny, pretty clever. <laughs> nice. Um, but yeah, it's like this whole going to your base thing is bullshit. It's like, hey man, let's 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 critique and let's uh, endorse people based on you know what they're able to do. So yeah. Anyway, yeah. But well, that's, that's good, man. We'll, we'll wrap up and um, hope for the future is here. Hope yeah. for the future is here. I, I'm always at the end of the day. Uh, I'm always a. Uh, a positive guy. Let me ask you guys this before I let you guys go because I want to share this funny story uh, for myself. Have you crying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you guys relieve stress? Because we all deal with it, right? Masturbation. Okay, that's honest. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. Oh well, I mean that helps. But go ahead. <laughs> I'll see how fast I jumped out there. I'm like, oh yeah. That <laughs> uh, stress. I I try to avoid it. And lately, we just had a conversation. I think last was it last night. Mm-hmm. Um, even the idea of bu- buying a home for me for many for many years is just. I think about, okay, if I take on a mortgage, then I got to worry about, say, $1,500 a month, $2,000 a month. Mm-hmm. Do I feel secure enough in my salary that I'm going to pull that down? And then when I think about the IT career, a lot of IT jobs is meant, not meant to be, but that happens to be the culture that you stay for two or three years and you can move on. Mm-hmm. That feels so, that aspect feels unstable to me. Mm-hmm. That buying a house sounds enormously stressful. So it wasn't when I brought up the term stress. It wasn't that I don't care about fixing the house. It's that it's that signing that contract for twenty, thirty years on a house on a mortgage, mm-hmm. and then you're basically saying I'm going to have some type of job for the next twenty or thirty years, or mm-hmm. or I'm going to have the funds, and that just to me there's a stress factor there. So unfortunately for me, I say unfortunately because I. Everybody wish they would have bought a house earlier. Sure, I, I haven't bought a house yet. Um, that so the way I av- I try to avoid stress before it becomes actual stress. Mm, interesting for good or for for better or worse. Mm. Um, hopefully, with my finances now, when I'm looking to buy a house, hopefully I'm in a position where when I do buy a house soon, it's I hope it's real soon that the stress factor is way lower because I got so much more money available now. Is that you could we could argue was it stupid to wait so long blah blah, blah. but yeah. for me stress is something i try to avoid cuz i don't like my blood pressure being high or mm-hmm. i don't like the feeling of it yeah how about you dealing with, with stress uh yeah i'm not a typical stress monkey but uh when you put it in those terms i probably avoid stress too it's a large part of why i don't have kids mm. i mean to me kids seem like unlimited endless stress sure uh, and it's weird, you know. I don't hate children. I just, I don't have that lovey-dovey like that that burning desire in me to right. have a kid. Right. So, looking at it dispassionately, like man, you'd be insane to right. sign up for that deal. Um, Interesting. So, so both of you guys, whether it's conscious or unconscious, you kind of steer w- away from from stress if possible. With with uh, with. Reason, so say, say I'm about to take on a project, whether it be um, send up a cryptocurrency miner or take on a new project at work. Mm-hmm. My manager knows at work that they start piling on some ideas or they say, hey, we got this list of items. I look mm-hmm. at it in my head. I'm like, I think I could do that item in three days. I'm going to tell them seven days. Mm-hmm. That other right. item, 
that I could do in one day. I'm going to tell them four. So out of that whole list, say it comes out to be uh, four weeks worth, mm-hmm. but I, I might be able to finish it in two or three weeks. Mm-hmm. So that's the way I, so if I, if I'm going to take on stress, it's a very calculated and controlled. Yeah. Uh, hopefully controllable. Yeah. Controllable. <laughs> I mean, technology has come along so fast. We forget that it wasn't that long ago we were living in cave straw huts and, you know, all that stuff. You know, the humans haven't evolved at the speed as technology. We forget. Right. So our hard wiring is to problem solve, is to look out for danger, is to be on high alert, is to, you know, just be in the wild and, and, and survive. Yeah. And I think when things get too easy, all that energy that's hardwired in us has nowhere to go. And it really confuses our brain, confuses our, our body chemistry and everything else. And we're going to get a shitload of a little comment saying you guys are dumb, or at least Rick is dumb. He knows no, what no, talking about. no, I agree with all I, that. I but, think that's... But I think the important thing is it. we do have to hold to the reality and mm-hmm. go, hey, that's a stupid thing to be losing your shit over. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, we're just all going to go crazy. Right. To a certain point where life is too, too, too easy. Yeah, we're all going to well, go crazy. I think there's a lot of people that don't even... <clears throat> they like feel something. They don't even know how to dis- dis- describe it. Yeah, but what I, I have to do is say, look, that's not a real problem. You got to relax, knock it off. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have any real, you know, you're fine. Everything's, you're at your personal trainer. You're cool. Well, but it's, it's the, oh, poor baby, you know, oh, that's really terrible. Mm-hmm. I think that kind of reaction, while it's very compassionate and understanding, is going to lead us further into insanity. I, I think you tend to trust people that we, we humans tend to trust people that, we see that they want to help us. Meaning if you get a hard ass on the other side, that's saying, Hey, you're a little bitch, like man up or even that, even that's being very sexist. right? Yeah. I was going to say that's a sexist thing, but, um, (laughs) grow some balls lady. If you, if you (laughs) deal with somebody that's on uh, an emotional state, they're more prone to hear somebody, hopefully somebody that's going to say, Hey, I know you're having a tough time. Hear me out. This is what I think you could do, but it's, it's, it's a very complex world that we live in. And the problem, then we get into like Renee was saying, everyone's medicated now. So yeah. that, that takes it to yeah. a different level too. Yeah. So yeah. Well, at the very least people aren't coming to me with their bullshit. Then they'll come to me and go, Oh, Emmett's going to tell me some, some hard nose straight talk. <laughs> so unless they're ready for straight talk, they're not going to come to me with trivial problems. Right. Don't you find that most people complain or tell you their problems not to get it solved it's a sounding board i'm not built that way like i, right. I, I, I there's only so much of that i can handle i pass it on to other people so, so i'm yeah. more like you but yeah I, I come to realize that yeah what's your actual problem what would yeah. fix it what do we gotta do what are our options that's that's the world i want to live in yeah i mean i i asked that question because you know i, I i've come to, to to just hear that term more and more through the you know through the years right it's Depression, depression, anxiety, depression, anxiety. And I 100% believe there are people that are born or tragedy happens or accidents happen. Something traumatic that Mm -hmm. has caused them trauma to the brain. If they haven't, if they weren't born this way, that the wiring is off, the chemical balance is off. They need to walk, you know, work things through. They do need assistance medically. They probably need to exercise, et cetera, et cetera. But to the extent of how 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 much I'm hearing it now, I just wonder if it's it's just trendy and it's easy. No, I think, oh, in my opinion, I, I agree. I think with what Renee was saying, it's just it's an innate human problem, and we reach a point in society where it's more available to see that human problem. So, so is the metaverse going to be full of depressed, anxious, 
difficult people? I'm hoping the mirror will f- show us how to fix that. Not really show us. I hope the mirror, whether it be Facebook, Twitter, and all that, those mirrors, technology has given us a, a, a window into a mirror. And we, as humans, need to figure out how to use that mirror. Did you hear about that lady that filed a suit? The, she said she got groped in the metaverse. Her avatar got groped <laughs> already. <laughs> Is there a real metaverse already? You can go. Oh, into there's it? a couple, dude. Okay, there's a couple. I yeah. thought it was a future thing. No, they're building. They're building it. You know, I think Facebook is is trying to jump on it. Facebook actually, for all its uh, for all intents purposes, it's sometimes it feels like they're always behind the ball, right? It's like mm-hmm. even with blockchain, they were behind the ball. They're, they're talking about the metaverse, but their metaverse is more of a virtual community to socialize. Yeah. Like there are metaverses out there that are now people are actively buying real estate. The very first million dollar real estate transaction in the metaverse has happened. Uh, someone got groped in one of the metaverses. I don't know how, you know, God bless. I hope she's okay. It's a virtual um, reality I've been looking for. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. I know. Back to the pervert. I know somebody. Yeah. I, yeah. I only, you only get one cut. Yeah. Um, I know. I know. Walk a around like this. If anybody gets their, their squeeze, that's I know a couple of high, high realtor investors now transitioning to investing in virtual land and yeah. stuff. It's, it's, it's wild. It's crazy. So, do you fight it? Do you live in it? I don't know. I'm, I'm at a point where I'm like, I'm not, I, I don't want, I want to delay my participation in it as long as possible, if ever. But I also don't, doesn't mean that I can't participate monetarily. Isn't money. one of the old sayings, uh, land is one of the things that they're not building anymore of? Mm-hmm. Now we're building more now land. We're building virtual land. Yeah. Yeah. Adidas just bought a plot in one of the, one of the metaverses. Yeah. You know? it's, it's, okay. it's a wild time, man. Well, time. Basically, right. I find it very interesting that the the Matrix is releasing mm, at this time. As at this time, it's like someone trying to tell us something, remind <laughs> us of something. You know, it's creepy, man. It's creepy. But uh, what was I saying earlier? Oh yeah, I wanted to share a funny story. Uh, I was I was talking to my friends over the weekend. I went to visit some friends and family, and we were talking about about kind of this topic too. And then um, one of my friends is like, "Oh, I'm not ashamed to say I I cry a lot, but I cry in private." You know, yeah. I go, "There's nothing wrong with that." How and much then, is a lot? Well, I don't know. I, I just, he okay. said a lot, so I let it be. But, um, and I, I, and I, I confessed something to him. I said, I'm one of those guys that sometimes I'm on the go too much and I forget, mm-hmm. you know? And then one day I'll just snap and I'm like, what the, what was that about? You know, cause it's not about this. It has to be something balled up. Mm-hmm. And then when I feel tense and I feel ting, tense, tensed up, there's an exercise that I do just for me. And for some reason I feel like uh, being transparent, I'm going to tell you guys, and maybe you guys can try it at home is, I know what triggers me when it comes to emotion and, and tears and crying. Oh. Yeah. And I seek it out on YouTube and I have a good 20 minute, 25 minute cry and I am good for probably another three months. This relieves your stress? It relieves, it relieves my stress. And it's not negative stuff. It's all good stuff. This makes you cry in a sad way? or No, like no, good way. way. So, so, so what I go down is I go down um, rabbit holes of family stuff like family reunions, Mm. military you know military deployed coming home surprising their parents okay um so heart-wrenching heart-wrenching stuff son giving the dad like uh you know his dream car this one guy found the exact same car same Mm. camaro that his dad sold Uh, when his mom got pregnant with him yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and it makes you cry i just saw recently a guy you know similar to like a -A make-a-wish foundation or something i think um Mm -hmm. this kid had cerebral palsy or what have you and he was driving 
this kid around in his Lamborghini. Mm. And the kid was like freaking out, freaking out. He said, I'm so sorry. I'm just so happy. I'm freaking out. Don't be scared of me. Don't be scared of me. I'm getting chills talking about it. Yeah. And the guy's like, no, it's cool. It's good. He's driving. And he's like crying his eyes out while he's driving. And I'm just like, oh, that'll be, that'll yeah. be me. But to, to my point, uh, that's my outlet to keep my sanity, keep my- I know what it is. You're such a business focused go-getter that you need a little dose of humanity. I think so. <laughs> I think so. Um, but yeah. yeah, but yeah. So find your outlet, guys, and uh, and do that. But I find it's it's very uh, cathartic for me. Mm. It's very very healing. And then then I go, okay, I'm ready to. Do you like sad world. movies? I don't necessarily like sad movies. Okay, I'll, I'll tell you a perfect example. The 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 peak and the pinnacle for me is this. My favorite actor is Denzel Washington. Okay. All right. Uh, by the way, in this world, sidebar, in this era of the extraction, John Wick. Um, uh, um, what's Matt Damon's character? The badass. Born Identity. Born Identity. You know Jason Bourne, all that. The super people, action movies. Yeah, people never bring up the Equalizer. If you guys haven't watched Denzel's Equalizer one and two, you talk about badass, badass. Anyway, sidebar. The movie that made me ball the hardest was John Q. Do you guys are you guys familiar with that movie? No, I just know every Denzel Washington movie I've seen. He mm -hmm. is his character is barely controlled rage. Yeah, it's just it's just right below the surface. Yes, right? he's containing the world's rage right. and keeping it from busting yeah. loose. Yeah, and maybe that's why I can relate. <laughs> but uh, but uh, so John Q to summarize it, and it's been like twenty five years. So spoiler alert: I'm not going to give the ending, but the, the the whole overview of it is his son, probably seven, ten years old, whatever it is, has a heart yeah. condition, needs a transplant. He's a union union worker, pays his dues, pays whatever, goes to the hospital. Turns out his insurance won't cover the transplant. Right? So, Sounds like America. Yeah, basically, right? Okay, yeah. And it's very truthful. So, so that's part one. Uh, so he's, he's out, of option, out, out of options. So what does he do? He gets a gun. He hijacks uh, the hospital where his son is, is laying sick. Yeah. Kidnaps a couple of doctors. And he's basically saying, uh, because you are a doctor, you're sworn to save a life. So yeah. I'm going to off myself. And you're going to put my heart in my son. Saves mm. life. Wow. And the doctor is like, don't do that. That's whatever. And then the leading surgeon said, well, if he's going to do it, I'm not wasting a heart. So we can't Wait, stop. the wrong whatever. size? Well, I don't, I don't know how that, that oh, okay. works. Right? Got it. But the, the point is, there's a segment where he sits by his son's bedside. The son's like, you know, kind of in and out of sleep. And he knows he's about to off himself. So he spends 90 seconds and he talks to his son. And he gives him all the world's fatherly wisdom oh. at his son's bedside. Nice, just stuff like, be a you know, be a gentleman, treat treat women like the queen they are. Be soft, be respectful, but always be a man and step up and honor your word and this and that. And you look look him in the eye when you shake someone's hand. Just stuff like that, like like a fatherly strong. Don't thing. play the clarinet. And and dude, I was in the movie theater just. <laughs> and to this day that's the thing that, that hits my heartstrings the most so i don't okay. know why i went on a tangent about that so those are part two uh, uh that's a part two wasn't okay no part two. Oh, no, 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 john no, no, no. yeah that's john q's name is okay. the name of the movie i didn't say how they ended but but you know well, whether he obviously he kills not, himself yeah i don't know you gotta see it yeah that's why there's no part two right or you gotta see it or you or you watch just that clip on youtube and have a nice crying session and you go out there again <laughs> Yes. And you keep that rage down here. <laughs> I didn't even think about that, but I'm like, oh, maybe that's why I relate to him so much. <laughs> that's right. He's uh, raging at our, our defunct medical system. Uh, oh, yeah. That, our, our profiteering, uh, parasitical, yeah. destructive medical in industry. 
Uh, as evil of a capitalist as I am, that system is 100% broken. I, I, I am in agreement with you on that. There's no reason why, the, the, in theory, the richest country in the world cannot have a better functioning system. Are you an support. organ donor? Uh, am I supposed to say? Because the, don't they... Uh, don't they? In theory, didn't they say like uh, it's on your card? If you put it on your card, yeah, on your on yeah, your license, yeah, you put yes or no, right? Yeah, I am. So, what do you get for being an organ donor? What do I get? Yeah, I get to hopefully save a life after I'm gone. That's very nice. You call me a nice person? No, that's very nice. Oh, yeah. uh, if you needed a heart, or if you needed a lung, mm-hmm. or if you needed a liver, or any of those organs, mm-hmm. what do those cost? Black market or market value? No, at, at the hospital, no, it, at the regular. Who I can't even tell you. I'm sure it's. We're talking like yeah. half million yeah. to millions yeah. ballpark. Well, well, you figure if an aspirin costs you ten grand, I'm sure it's going to cost you like a million bucks for a heart, whatever it is, right? Well, so what I'm curious about is how come you don't get any money for your organs? Mm. Right. The the doctor doing the surgery makes a dick load of money. The anesthesiologist mm. makes a ton of money. The nurses make a ton of money. That's a good point. The I didn't think about that because, money, because the, the procedure still costs money. Someone's getting paid still. Yeah, so why can't you get $1,000? Like your benefactor or something like that? No, why can't you get $1,000 for checking yes? I don't know. I didn't think of it that deep. Because there's a shortage of organs, right? Whenever you need a heart, there's like a line. Oh, the long you, list, you, yeah, yeah. Right? They're never just on deck. Yeah. So obviously we need more organ donors. Why can't we give $1,000 for people to check yes? Yeah. That's a pretty good incentive. Yeah. You know this whole conspiracy theory behind that too? What's that? That uh, you, you shouldn't check yes because they'll never reset to say to yeah, they'll, yeah. Leave you, they'll leave you last. I'm like, eh, whatever. Yeah, I haven't seen that. Mm. You know, well, that's conspiracy for everything. Yeah, you know. So anyway, a- any uh, any additional thoughts? Anything else? I feel like we turned your short podcast into a long podcast, which is fine. Oh, you're going long form anyway. I'm going longer form. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna play around with it. Bigger, bit. harder, stronger, faster. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Have you seen that that documentary? That documentary by that name. Uh, bigger, stronger, faster. It's, it's by the the Bell Brothers. So basically, they they actually do really good documentaries. They do another one about the um, smuggling of cocaine and the history behind it called Cocaine Cowboys. Okay. But the one that the bigger, stronger, faster, they dove into the world of steroids mm. and the misconception of steroids and stuff like that. It's pretty good. They do good work. But um, one of the brothers died of, of of something of an overdose or something like that. So I kind of proned him to making a documentary. So he dove deep, deep, mm. deep into it. And I was telling my wife, I said. I, I think it was a cautionary tale, but after watching that, all I want to do is steroids now. Yeah, I was, was going to ask, should I do roids or what? <laughs> I want big shoulders. Those guys are jacked, man. <laughs> One dude is like, oh, I've been doing it for 40-something years. Look at me. I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. And then one, one dude literally was still living out of his van. Like All, all he spends his money on is gold gym membership in LA, lives out of his van, and steroids. Buy steroids, yeah. steroids. I'm like, oh, God. Hmm. Not me. Not uh, me. I... I admire that single-minded focus. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if that's a fulfilling life. I see dudes, uh, so I go to LVAC here. Uh-huh. I see dudes that are there all the time. Oh, my gosh, so funny. And they're in great shape. Yeah, yeah. But I wonder, like, it's just, just all they do. It's, just... it's a social scene, you know? Like, I mean, it's a weird one. You're like, hey, what's up, bro? Yeah, because of my schedule, I go all over the place. It's not like I go at noon or yeah. go at 7 or whatever, right? So I'll yeah. go at, you know, wherever. On Tuesday, I'll go at 2. Saturday, yeah. you know, on Wednesday, I'll go to 10 a.m. But you're right. There's like the same yeah. people are there. I'm not talking about people that work there. People no, that just go to the gym. I'm like, yeah, this guy's always here. He must always be here. here. Yeah. yeah. That's also kind of a, a social environment, too. I think that's their social network. I don't know. They don't look like they're having fun. Really? It's not. Uh, the LVAC I go to on Flamingo 215, mm-hmm. it's not like a chatty place. Like two, I go to 215 on Eastern when I do go. It's yeah. 
It's a social club for okay. sure. Huh. For sure. Okay. Yeah, people hang out at the juice bar and they have lunch there and all that stuff. I'm like, probably go back for round two. Who knows? <laughs> you know what I mean? Quinoa time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, the gym is an interesting place. All right. Are you ripped under this jacket? Is no, that not anymore. Not anymore. I need to get back into it. Though. I, I, was, I was telling somebody the other day, um, business has been phenomenal. Money's been great. Uh, but I lost sight of my physical, uh, you know, taking care of my, my physicality. I, I Balance. Like shit. I, know. I blame my mom. <laughs> so I, I moved my parents here a year and a half ago. So now she, she uh, retired. Yeah. She lives uh, an hour and a half, an hour and a half. She lives 10 minutes away and yeah. I'm eating her food like every day. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, and if I don't eat her food, she's offended. Oh. And everything, everything is rice, noodles, rice, noodles, rice, noodles. And, yeah. and you'll, you guys will see it tonight. I don't, I don't eat for one. I, I consume. You know? so, You're burning calories. Well, that's the problem. I used to burn calories. I used to burn, but I'll, I'll, I'll get back into it. I'm going to figure it out. Nice. So, uh, hopefully next time I see you guys, uh, you drive a nice Corvette, huh? Uh, I mean, hope so. Oh, you'll be driving a nice Corvette. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. So, uh, so this is 100% obnoxious and, and first world problems. So disclaimer. No, but this is a goal that drives you. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's yeah. a shiny thing that that keeps keeps me hungry. Um, so I was I was debating because you know I don't know if you guys you probably have you you probably have too is the C8 the new design the Corvette mm-hmm. especially the Z06 phenomenal right yeah but they no longer will be making a manual shift. It's old news, man. C7 is the only one. So now I'm looking back going, this might be my last chance to own a manual sports car. Just because you love the shipping? I lo- I'm old school, dude. I'm from a different era. Yeah. I learned my very first car that I drove illegally when my friend taught me was manual. I've taught so many people yeah. growing up manual. It's fun. I-, I will help you transition. My my 2002 Z06 mm-hmm. was manual. Mm-hmm. Very fast car. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't take it to the track, but there were times when challengers would pull up. And rev rev up, and so you have a fun like street race at the uh, stoplight. Mm-hmm. And that car was super quick because it's just power to weight ratio, right? Mm. So the number one problem I had was I couldn't put the power on the ground. I didn't have race tires. I, I got road tires because I'm basically driving around like my daily driver. Yeah. But if I had stickier tires, I could have launched harder. Mm-hmm. But the other problem I'd have is I'd be pulling ahead until I go to shift and I lose time. You see it. Ah. They just as fast as yeah, a human yeah. can go. Yeah. You still lose that fraction of a second as you're shifting. Yeah. And there's a physical timing sure. to it. Yeah. So yeah. It, it was fun. It, if you're ever sitting in traffic or whatever, using it as a regular car, it gets annoying. But sure. um, literally the automatics are, are just so much fa- so much faster. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm not Jack. I'm not a racer. <laughs> I'll probably still drive like a grandpa. Uh, it will be like yeah. weekends, fun drives, take the hood off, you know, nice long okay, cruise. Yeah. It's not, it's not going to be my daily driver. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, there is something about the shift, though, right? I mean, I do like the C7 Z06s. Yeah, yeah, I was, yeah. I was gonna say I'll either get that or the Z51 package. I don't need a whole full on Z06. Yeah, they look better. Uh, Z51 looks very similar, yeah. or like ten thousand less. I'm still frugal. All yeah. right, but unfortunately, well, you could get the Grand Sport and get all the looks without. Yeah, that too. But unfortunately, <laughs> it's like now I can order not Z06 but a Stingray for around eighty between eighty five and eighty six. Right, brand new, yeah. but now the used car market's crazy. I was looking like 2017, 2018, they're like 60 something thousand dollars. Yeah, I was like, dude, now you guys are steering me into buying a new car, which breaks every rule I ever said because it doesn't make you no, know, you're you should there. look at it as saving 20 grand. I know, I know, but so close to that mark, right? If it was like 150 grand, like, oh yeah, I'm doing the right thing, but no, I, I will. I'm getting a C7 just because of the manual, the manual stick, clutch. yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah. 
So, anyways, hopefully um, my birthday's in March. We'll see. Check with me again. By then, I'll probably make another excuse why I haven't bought it. So, if you delay your goal, it'll keep you chasing? Yeah, to a certain extent. At some point, though, I got to reward myself. I'm getting a little little burned out, quite honestly. You know? It's it's fun. It's fun to be responsible, but after a while, it's like, gosh, you know? In line with my podcast is you get yourself to a certain level of financial independence. You have the the right to do that. You want your money. Yeah. You know, people splurge. I, I was arguing with somebody about flying somewhere and they're like, oh, can you believe this person such and such flew first class for just four hour flight? I'm like, don't be counting people's money. They'll, they'll do what they want to do with it. Yeah. And he's like, oh, even if I was a billionaire, I'll never fly first class. Oh, uh, I, I totally like, fly first class. Well, yeah. first of all, you're a billionaire. You have your own plane. Yeah. But number two, that's why you'll never be a billionaire. Because there's an association of, of um, whatever the negative association he has in his mind with wealth, you know. Yeah, or or if you're too busy pinching pennies, you're gonna miss the the big dollars. He also did. He also does what mental. I'm not talking about financially poor, but mentally poor people do, which is they count other people's money. Oh uh, yeah. Don't be busy counting other people's money. Worry about your own. Worry about your own. Make yeah. your own. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm lucky to go on a lot of uh, vacations and trips and travel internationally and travel mm-hmm. to vacate like. I fly more than most people, mm-hmm. and I can't splurge for first class yet. But that would be nice to fly for first class. The commitment is when you're ready, be ready all the time. It's hard to go back. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Delay it as long as you can, because once you go, it'd be like, oh, dude, I, I, I I've seen the, I've you, seen yeah. the other side. It's hard to go back. Yeah, it's hard to go back. So I can imagine. Yeah. Well, whatever it is you guys want to do, man, uh, however I can support this podcast, your ideas, business, anytime you guys want to get together, food, I am here. I love uh, I love the way you guys think. We don't always have to agree. I think that's actually very important that we don't. And uh, I disagree. <laughs> I disagree. You're disagree. Uh, but anything that I could do to support, um, you guys are awesome. So thank you for having me back, even though this is my podcast. Uh, and uh, we'll see where next year takes us, man. Yeah, cool. you thank rock. Thank you so much. Thanks, Cheers Rick. That. Cheers. I need, to get, I need to get swag, too. All right. <clears throat>